Hey yo, it's Garrett Ryan Noah and we're having a blast A blast from the past, they brought me on their freaking podcast These talented musicians are a dangerous match We'll make it a splash, we also talk about a plane crash Been around the country, what a joy to pursue A life in the arts with Evan Hansen, boy in the blue We learned with the crew, but then we had to bid it as you Because of COVID-19, not your everyday flu But maybe we'll be reunited in July, even June If everybody wears a mask, guess the ending is soon Stay inside, get your vaccination, promise we'll be Back on the stage, and by the way, stop following Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast. I'm Garrett and I have Ryan here with me. I'm uh, here, I'm back. <laughs> hey, hey Ryan, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? Hey. I'm, I'm allowed back. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll see how today goes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm on probation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know for what. But, um, and today we have a very, very, very special guest. Um, he is a brilliant performer, a genius composer. Yes. Uh, a Hamilton expert, just an all-around good guy. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's Lynn Manuel Miranda. Oh my hey. God! Hey everybody! <laughs> Hold on, I'm getting some. Oh, what's that? Oh, he couldn't. All right. Well, it definitely it it it's, seems pretty inappropriate that you're telling me this now. Okay, sorry. One sec. Okay, so who did we get instead? Oh, that's just as good. All right, that's great. That's great news. <laughs> oh, thanks for. Okay, all right. Thanks for telling me. I got to record now. But Ravi, we're going to talk about this later. Okay. <laughs> all right. Sorry, uh, Ryan. Sorry to stop, stop the show like this, but like no, that no. Intern we hired like last week. Oof. I think he. I think he has to go. He's just not cutting it. Um, all right. So we got to start paying them with tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we just don't get quality like we used to <laughs> all right so unfortunately lynn couldn't make it but we got someone just as good he is Better. a brilliant performer a genius composer a hamilton expert an all-around great guy hey i already said that i already said those things you but additionally you might find him as you might know him as connor murphy on the national tour of dear evan hansen and the composer of Shell, a historically fictionalized musical. That's correct. And <laughs> also my partner in crime with uh, Oh Hello references. It's no advisement. Oh, thank you for having me. No, uh, you're you're right. it's good. I'm doing great. Thank you for those like 10 pop culture references. Like in the, in the, I think that was a minute. You really popped them out. They said you were like Hamilton. Oh, hello. Everything. And what was that tea place again? Oh, I really can use tea right now. Kucha. 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 Colorado, everyone. We're getting there. Hey, Kucha, if you're looking to sponsor anyone. <laughs> Very subtle. <laughs> Noah, thanks so much for coming. Uh, thanks and for having me. Out I know you're probably regretting that decision. <laughs> no, not I really couldn't have asked for, you know, two better people to spend an afternoon with. So I'm looking forward to chatting it up about all the topics. All the all things. All the topics. Yeah, this is also kind of a reunion for us. It is. We haven't. We've been away. Like we're all on this dear, dear Evan Hansen tour, and we've been away for what is it? Ten you, months now. Ten yeah, months. Have you guys heard about what's going on in the world? There's this virus. I don't know. If we're like, nah, like, man. I don't uh, watch the news like that. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, I was wondering why I'm here at home. <laughs> I feel like I just woke up and I'm like, why aren't I back on tour? Company management hasn't scheduled me to be on a flight in 10 months and I'm starting to get worried. <laughs> starting to get concerned. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I love Mondays, but I didn't realize that they were going to last this long. 
I'm still waiting for my uh, show text from Jason. Who's going to play Evan tonight? I know. I actually do miss that anticipation. I enjoyed being like, oh, surprise. Like, it's this person or this person. You know, and once it was me at one point. <laughs> well, we should we should mention that that Noah w- was not always uh, our permanent uh, Connor Murphy on the road. Noah was uh, understudy for three different roles on the show before when when uh, Noah went out with us for year one. So was, Noah yeah. had to do three jobs when the two of us only had to do one, which is not fair. You could barely guys job like i could i could never play the way you two do it's really truly beautiful work always consistently every day always it always slaps as they say (laughs) you are you are a man of great charm thank you oh Oh, you sitting there (laughs) yeah actually you know what let's go out of order uh because i had like a few questions and i kind of wanted to start with some background stuff but what you what you mentioned like um, there are some like since you've done both, you've done like understudy, and then you were you were bumped up to our onstage, one of our onstage cast members, like full time Connor Murphy. Like, mm-hmm. what are some of the differences uh, between like understudy and onstage in terms of, well, I guess the job, which is a very general question, but also lifestyle. Like, like yeah, I mean, night and day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would consider them to be night and day. I think both are equally hard. I don't think that either one of them is like easier or harder than the other because both are just require insanely different demands. I think with understudying, you just have to be ready to go on at a moment's notice. And so mm-hmm. you have to, there were times where, you know, it was the three hours before or I had an actual date, but then there were times where it was five minutes before. And so like there are, you know, you have to just be ready to, at the, at the drop of a hat, um, you know, give the best performance that you can give. And that's, you know, hard. It's incredibly stressful to, you know, be thrown in front of three or 4,000 people, you know, and playing, especially like when I would go on for Evan, like it was thrilling and exhilarating, but also to be thrown on there and be like, okay, I am playing the title role right now of the thing that you all bought tickets to that were probably like $300. So like, I want to make sure that I give you the thing that you, you know, you you came to see and paid for. And um, and that pressure is pretty wild, but at the same time, it's so rewarding to be able to play three different parts and to be able to like explore you know all three people and you, you never get bored ever because it's always you know so exciting and fresh and um and it's uh so that part of it's really fascinating in terms of the onstage cast thing it's eight shows a week is also its own uh battle that was something i had to learn about uh you know when i got into the year two um, in terms of just like keeping yourself healthy vocally and drinking enough water to, you know, and also just even conserving your energy throughout the week to make sure that you don't give too much on a Tuesday so that by Saturday you have a voice left right. to sing and things like that. So, and it's funny because, you know, I went to college, for, I got a BFA in musical theater and nobody can really teach you those things. You just have to, you know, if you're lucky enough to get an opportunity like that, you get thrown in a situation and you adapt. And um, so that was, you know, probably the greatest you know, I feel like it was my master's program of school in the sense of like, exactly. I feel like I went back to school again, but just in a more intense way. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. They're pretty intense. Like you, you, uh, you booked this right after graduating. Like, yeah, literally right I knew after. in February of my senior year. So I, I was before I graduated, but yeah, I was, I was extraordinarily lucky because of the fact that I got to, um, no leaving college that I had a job and I didn't have to worry about, you know, moving to New York or anything of that nature. I just kind of, I spent the summer in Ann Arbor. I worked at a coffee shop and then I, um, 
moved to New York for rehearsals just for that, like two months or something. And then I, and then I went on the road and this is really wonderful to be back in New York city. I'm back in New York city now, uh, if you're listening, mm-hmm. um, because, uh, you know, I've had such a thrilling journey over the last two, three years, but just to even like have all my stuff in one place is really centering for whatever is the next journey ahead. You know, it is, is it's nice to know it's all here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, when you say so you knew in february so before you graduated mm-hmm. and you went to university of michigan I did yeah i hate to say this because i know your rivals but i always get the two michigan ones like mixed up so, <laughs> like, which green oh, and which is blue oh, michigan state is green and university of michigan is blue and yellow okay yeah so maize blue. Blue yellow. <laughs> not not yellow we're too good for yellow maize <laughs> <laughs> well and like not correct me if i'm wrong but university university mission has like a renowned musical theater program yeah, they correct? do like that's like that's like um one one of if not the best programs in the country i think if you're yeah. studying musical theater it is definitely uh i would consider it the best just because i went there in a five <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it is, you know, among the fantastic musical theater schools. And I think, um, you know, the real thing for me about that place is the the faculty was incredible and the, um, the training was obviously great, but the training, you know, will be great in a lot of places. And that, and I think the main thing is the, the Michigan mafia, as they call it, which is the big, uh, family of people who have graduated, like, and I've gotten to connect with over the years. That's been really wonderful. Um, you know, and I performed in this thing, my, I think it was like my sophomore year, maybe, um, called uh, Maze and Blue on Broadway, where we all, at the August Wilson Theater, we all did a, it was for the guy who founded the department, Brent Wagner, and we all, everybody from Michigan for the last however many years uh, performed on this August Wilson stage. And I was like doing a number from American Idiot with a bunch of people, but like, it was also like Gavin Creel and like um, Pascal and Paul came and wrote a song for the event. And oh, like, nice. it was awesome. Like there was, there were so many you know, it's just the opportunity to, and then also like, we all went to like an after party after at like one of these like bars in New York that I, I don't know. And it was, um, it was just very cool to see all of them. You know, I was like, I'm a part of this world. I'm not actually like a stranger in it. I'm really, I'm partaking in it. So that was exciting. Yeah. Do you find as you're going through, as you're continuing to meet people in the industry, it's like, oh my God, you're, we're all from the same home mater. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, we're all from this. It's, I can imagine like there's so many people that, that come oh, from that ton of, I mean, I mean the fact that even Pasek and Paul and everything, I mean, that was a definitely like a, a great connection. I mean, cause I think they, I mean, I definitely had met them prior. I don't know if they, they probably don't remember meeting me cause it was, it was sort of more when I was in school and stuff, but um, I uh, no, they, they, they came and did actually fascinatingly enough as a, as a semi segue. I, um, I the when I started writing Shell was the day that Pascal and Paul came to my school and played a concert when I was a freshman um, because I my friend was um, you know really into Shell Silverstein's uh, The Giving Tree and he wanted to do an adaptation which like I don't actually think you can even do I think I mean I'm, I don't think I I will actually um, well that's a different story but um, The Giving Tree, uh, he was really interested in doing something like that. And uh, he was like, I really am interested in this man's poetry and stuff, and you should help me write music for this. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a great idea. And that was because we were inspired by uh, this concert. And we were like, oh, those guys could do it, so we can do it. And that's like the power of it all, you know? Yeah, it's like parallel. Because those two started at that school. Like they teamed up, right? And I think they did. um, Yeah. Or something. And then you and your friend, and this, and Shell is like 
a gorgeous, gorgeous piece of theater. Thank you. I and appreciate I, it. Like, and I, I, I feel like I, I can know this now because we've been touring together for like a year and a half. <laughs> and like back when, so um, Noah and I had like pretty similar journeys, um, you know, because I started off just like Noah's, you know, the I'm like the musician version of like kind of what Noah did. So I started off as the associate. So um, I guess the only difference would be that like I did play. I did conduct a show once a week, like guaranteed, and Noah had no idea when he was going on. So in that respect, Noah's job was harder. But like back when um, Noah was an understudy and I was the associate, like we both spend a lot of time backstage. And uh, once in a while, Noah would come in and like, you know, play me one of his songs or like I'd help play. I don't know. I don't remember, remember too well, but like, you know, we'd, you know, you'd come in with a new song and be like, hey, can you play through this for me or whatever? And yeah. Um, no, just, and I am eternally well, grateful for that, and I'm still grateful. I literally texted you. I, this is how, how this even happened. I texted you a couple of days ago because I was I needed some help with transcription, and you were like, "Hey, we're doing this thing," and I was like, ah, "I would love to do it." And, uh, that's my interaction. That's my impression of Garrett, I guess, and also myself. I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess uh, since you're so good at segues, how about shell a little bit of shell? Because um, I was wondering. Uh, what are some of the pros and cons of uh, being on tour while you're trying, like tour with the show while you're trying to write another show? Um, sure. Yeah, I don't know if you could speak a little about that because I know, you know it's um, we we all love what we do. We all love you know getting up on stage and performing every night, but like I feel like there's also an additional like you need to you know scratch that creative itch a little bit, and you are a particularly creative person, so like it's important that you don't stop creating, creating and composing. Um, sure. I don't know how much like being on the road hinders that or helps you. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely think I wrote less in the second year when I was, you know, doing the job every night. And like, I don't think that was too, uh, the, I don't think that was a detriment to my, you know, overall career. Cause I think like to be in this profession and like different elements of it, you have to have balance. And I think that in the first year, cause I was an understudy, I spent a lot of time writing and thinking about writing and thinking about shows and things like that. Um, but then in the second year I was able to sort of balance out my interests more because by getting a sort of a greater dose of acting and, and singing and, you know, in that way. So that, you know, was actually really wonderful. And I, I, um, but yeah, in terms of the pros and cons, I mean, yeah, I, it, it is it is a full time gig, especially when you're on the road and like it's not like you're like going home to an apartment every day. I mean, you're going home, you know, but to a different city that you don't really know. And so um, I was really fortunate that they uh, were letting me bring my keyboard around with me. So if I hadn't had that, I wouldn't um, probably have been able to write unless there were, you know, sometimes there were pianos backstage in cities yeah. and stuff. I would sneak down there. But um you know, mostly I was, especially in the second year, they let me travel the uh, piano. And so I would put that in my dressing room and just try to even, even have that to dabble on, like just to between shows or something to like stay to be like, oh yeah, like this is another part of my life and I enjoy this and, and, um, and fulfills me in a different kind of way, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I have like, (laughs) speaking of like the keyboards backstage, like I have like just texts and texts and texts from you being like, Hey, can I use the conductor room? Oh my God. (laughs) That's true. That that actually that makes a lot of sense, especially in the first year. I'd imagine maybe in the second year, but definitely. Yeah. Um, but I had a lot of time even in the second year. I was only I think my like stage time total at Connor is probably like twenty five minutes, something like that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was um, wondering like 
um how in terms of like your personal life uh i i know we we kind of like we're past the understudy versus you know full-time uh role thing but like you know i i know speaking for myself as like i was when i was the associate like i would like hang with you know the understudies after shows more often than i would when oh, i was yeah. you know like the music director and like had to do a show the next day like i feel like my social life was a little bit uh, i guess better like yeah. when I, I don't know if it was the same for you when you were an understudy um and you would kind of spend more time you know with the cast like outside the theater as yeah. opposed to when you're a connor i don't know no i definitely i do think i had way more of a social life in the first year and i think that you know um what sort of motivated me in the second year at least to and to at least accept that was just like you know you, you know you only get an opportunity like this you know once in a blue moon in terms of being in a show like this so it was very at some point it was easy to, to be like okay you know you're not here to socialize i mean part of me I, I what i will say to sort of uh combat that is that in order to give acting is such a strange profession i'm sure it's kind of even translates the same in the music world but just in order to give your 100% you do need to have balance in your life. You do need to be able to have some semblance of social uh, affirmation or whatever in terms of being able to get on stage like that, especially in a show that is so sad at times. I think that sometimes I would let the show, especially as Connor, get to me uh, a little too, too much. And, it, and I would need to, you know, part of my process of being able to do the job is not, you know, sitting at home and being uh yeah. sad it's going out and, and not going out to like doing anything crazy but you know seeing a friend for coffee or for dinner or something and um making sure that that is uh part of how you're staying healthy you know yeah i so i guess in a way like it's almost it's like just as important when you're when you're doing this role every night and you're just like immersed in this world every night that's like pretty yeah. devastating most at most for times sure. like it's important to like i know it's like it's almost a catch 22 because like you have to, you want to like save your energy and like save your voice because you know, you have to do a show the next day, but you also don't want the show to consume you. So you need to find ways to fight that. Exactly. And it's a very, you know, raw show. And I think that I, I struggled uh, with my mental health a lot in the second year, just in terms of trying to, I had never done eight shows a week before. And so like I, I both learning to conserve vocally, but also learning to, you know, as much as you want to just like step into that narrative of the character and just like feel everything to an extent, you know, when you're feeling that every day, it, it, it's, you know, it's going to be detrimental in some capacity. So you have to find a way to balance. But what's interesting is like, this is such a raw show and the lighting is so sparse at times. And like, you know, I would often find it that being up there, I was very exposed. And so it was, it, you can't fake your, you can't fake your way through anything, but you really can't fake your way through Jeremy Danson. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. Yeah. And the lighting, I guess like the light, that's a good point because the show is so dark until the yeah. last, what, three minutes. Yeah. Very much. <laughs> you can see everyone squinting out in the audience as that blue. Yeah. That was, was my favorite part. And like when I first saw that, cause I can see a little bit of the audience through Garrett's cam and it's just like watching everyone go, Ugh. Oh God. <laughs> hands yeah, in front of their face. And the people who are asleep are like, what? He lied. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you know you you mentioned like you know musicians are lucky in that way at least I, I can speak to that in this show where you know we we have the music in front of us every night and and you know we you know we were while we're playing the music obviously we're very you know focused on what we're doing and you know it's all you know all cylinders banging you know right but with um 
you know, after that, it's like, you know, scene, scene goes on and we take out the books, you know, on the phone. It's like some people are like going through chords on guitars. Like sometimes Garrett and I are chatting. Like, it's like, it can be any number of things where we're just like, we can check out periodically where I find that the actors, they don't have that luxury. You know, they have to be there the whole, most of the whole three hours, you know, depending on how long you're, you're, on stage and and i think that that's it's um it's something we talk about in the talkbacks a lot where you know like matt san giovanni and i would always we most of the time we go to talkbacks to sort of give like a sort of different point of view mm-hmm. from like um you know how it is a lot easier as a musician when you're when you're able to just sort of it doesn't the the heaviness of the show doesn't weigh on you as much but i'm sure and, it must be a little bit because you do still a little hear, bit i think you're there you're you've got like the voices crying inside your ears the yeah, whole time so i mean it does, it does it, it's there but i think that there's um i think it was more to the point i think that a lot of people um i don't know whether it was matt or i that said this but like we it's it's almost necessary that it's like okay now we're checking out right. um because it's like okay we don't have to worry about you know this until and then it can it can just be just all right we're gonna play this song this song this song this song and then in between that we're just gonna take a break right um i think in the beginning all of us are very much invested you know because it's like you're you're always you know like we're invested in the show and then i got a certain point in time it's just like okay this is very heavy and it, it never really dawned on me just how difficult that would be for someone who was on stage and had did not have that luxury well yeah oh no go on Sorry. Oh, no, that was mostly it. <laughs> no, no, I was just going to add that, um, you know, it's funny because uh, I played Evan, like, I think it was like 26 times in the first year. And that was really, uh, taking that journey is so different than taking like the Jared journey or the Connor journey, because you are on stage the whole time. And though you would think that that's easier, I, I'm sorry, no, they think that's harder. I actually find it easier because of the fact that you stay in the story and, and you don't feel like yourself. You constantly sort of feel like you're just in the narrative and then, and then you, and you reach its completion that you like, you leave a couple of times versus I think playing like Jared or Connor, even when I felt, even I even felt this in the first year, but also in the second year, um, you know, you're right. You are trying your best to stay, you know, present within the story and the evening of the vibes and everything going on, you know? And, um, and I think that it's harder to uh, personally to like, you know, have your entrances and exits be more segmented and have to sort of be like okay great like now i am coming on before this scene in which my character is about to ultimately kill himself and like things like that and first with 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 sort of no it's sort of a zero to a hundred game sometimes with certain scenes and i find that the um the character I, i find now i'm like oh actually i think being on stage for like a larger portion of time is actually uh easier however that is different the people who do that have a larger vocal demand and, and also, you know, but not just with singing, but with speech. And so like mm-hmm. get more tired easily. And so I know our good friend, Stephen Anthony was inside like 24 um, seven in the second year. And I, I felt for him super hard, when you know, poor coffee. I'm hearing it splash. Despite that baristas aren't handling cash. And when I wear outfits, they're just for myself. Cause we gave up gatherings for public health 
And when feelings come, let them sting for a while. There's no one to see, so stop faking a smile. Authentically visible just for the scene. This is the beauty of self I think you in particular have such a, a really amazing perspective on it, just coming from, you know, having taken on that role so many times. I mean, like, I mean, we were all really excited when you went on for the first time because it was, it, we didn't know how often that was going to happen. Yeah. Right. Because we, you know, obviously, you know, we had Ben. Um, and then when Ben couldn't go on, normally they would have Steven go on. Yeah. Um, and after that, we were like, okay, well, sometimes Noah would go on. But yeah. we didn't know how often. And it was always really exciting when, when you would go on because it was um, it completely changes the show when you have a different Evan. You know, it, it's always, um, you know, I, I always find it more exciting when, when you have a different Evan go on because oh, you know, yeah. it's so it, it's they are always on stage the entire show. You know, so it's like um, and yeah, the amalgamation of like, you know, I always found it my favorite, like some of my favorite performances were like, um I wouldn't say this is my favorite actually because I, I was very sick <laughs> during it. But one one of the most my favorite like uh I performances in theory uh was uh was Vegas because uh in Vegas it was like I think there were five understudies on that day. And so <laughs> it was so crazy because it was like we were doing an understudy run, but also with like two or three extra people who like 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 added into the mix. And it was such uh -huh. a fascinating like just like the pairings, like, cause you, cause like you might be going on as an understudy, but then like, you know, you, your mom might be uh, an, an understudy and then like your dad is like somebody who like you don't work with very much. And it's like so funny um, to, to then adapt to those new pairings and stuff. And it's fun to see what everybody uh, brings once because one person shifts the whole dynamic of a scene. You know, it's like if, if it's a three person scene, one thing that one person is giving, you know, changes everybody. And that's really fun, you know? <laughs> Well, and for us, I guess the, the only equivalent for us would be if we were having subs come in. And I think that it's the one thing that you could look at it two ways for us. Like we have, we're very lucky because, you know, all our guys are pretty stagnant, like, because they're on the road with us and we just don't, we don't have daily subs come in. So mm -hmm. it's very easy to just get into that groove. We're just like, I know exactly where all these guys are playing, where their time is, how they're phrasing things, right. where they're feeling these spots. It's almost like we're starting to read each other's minds after a certain time. Yeah. Um, and with, thing. with Broadway, it's a little different because, you know, they're used to having different guys in all the time. Oh, really? You know, it's, yeah. I mean, they're, the daily subs, they, they come in like very frequently and especially for someone wow. who's like doing what, you know, uh, like Ben Cohn or like what Garrett's doing, um, you could have a completely different band night tonight. Um, right. and that's, that's uh, that's very different from, from what we have. Like it's, it's in some ways it's, it's difficult because, you know, it's taxing on the musicians who are on the road because you got to play every show, you know, you don't yeah. have any, you have any days off, but at the same time, the benefit to that is that you can kind of check out a little bit more because you, there is just this sort of inherent trust with all these guys. Like, all right, I know where Matt Brown's going to play this. I, I, I am pretty much mind reading Leon right now yeah. when it comes to time. Like, it's like, 
I, I know exactly where the, like when Garrett nods his head at this particular angle, I know exactly that's where he wants to hear the, the, the cue. You know, it's like there is, there's no, it's not really so much in question anymore or, yeah. or there's not a, there's the margin shrinks so much and it just, it seems so much tighter with, I want to say less effort, but almost <laughs> with like, you don't have to think about it as much because there's just so much trust for the people that you've been playing with. So and long. So beautiful, and in fact, you know what's funny? I just realized that I'm st- I'm st- I'm sitting here talking to the two primary timekeepers in the sense of like you guys really do set the pace of every evening, and uh, you know between like drumming and conducting, and, and like I feel like um, you know it's I in terms of subs that you mentioned, I feel like I came to really appreciate each of your unique styles of playing because like I you know you do get, get it in your ear of how every everything sounds even on stage and everything, and then. Uh, you know, one thing shifts and like, and it's still beautiful, but it's completely different. And you're like, oh, that's because Mm -hmm. this person is playing that instrument. And normally this person, you know, strums it even like a little faster or like hits Mm -hmm. that. Like, and it's like very all valid. It's just so interesting because like, you really do. I'm like, oh, that's, that's a Ryan drum. Like, you (laughs) know what I mean? Like that's a Garrett piano. (laughs) It's funny. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I was always, I mean, it was always, um, I don't know. It made me feel, it made me feel nice when I, when I was like, oh, I, I missed you. You weren't here. I noticed that you weren't here. Cause obviously ideally you want to, you want to be like, oh, the guys who are coming in and the guys who have, I've had, uh, only one sub come in for me, Brad. And you know, I, I'm, he's been playing the show longer than I have, yeah. um, with, with Jamie at, uh, and he's amazing, but he does play it slightly different than me because when we tech things in, in Denver, there were a couple of things that we changed that they didn't necessarily go back and change okay. in New York. Um, so Brad will play it slightly different, which is totally fine. Um, but it was always nice to hear like when it came back, when it like, like, you know, I, I think I came back from the Nam show at one point in time and Kelsey came up to me. She's like, Oh my God, I heard you. You came back. It's like, I heard you. And I was like, I, like, I heard all the Ryan stuff. I was like, Oh, like yeah. made me feel good. No, it's true. Like, I mean, like, like it's, it's the nuance, it's the details. It's the, you know, you guys make it slap and, and nobody can deny it. <laughs> have you ever realized in the middle of a show that maybe there's a sub playing yeah and does 100%. that match you up at all not necessarily because yeah. of the- <laughs> <laughs> to be honest and i don't i don't mean i don't mean i wouldn't say mess me up i would say it does take me out of it and make me notice and i and i have like and not in the not necessarily in a bad way i more just mean in the sense of like i have noticed when subs were playing before because but for the reasons of like I said, just like the unique ways that all of you play individually and like, um, no, but I, and I, and I, yeah, I am biased. I do miss you guys when you're gone, but I love subs. I'm not trying to like shit on subs. Oh, yeah, no, totally. I, I think <laughs> it's, it's funny this, but you know, the same mentality that the musicians have, our cast has too, because they're also traveling with us. You know, it's not like they're completely separate from us. You know, they're with us the whole time. So whatever the band is listening to eight shows a week, so is the cast, you know, they're, they're adjusting to that too. So they're very much used to this very uh, recording, like continuity between shows every single night where, you know, once you go to the music box, you're used to that sort of being in flux, you yeah. know, like, okay, we're used to listening to having a, a sub uh, violin or a sub drummer or a different bassist or guitar player. And um, so dynamics could change a little bit and, um, you know, phrasing could change. I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily supposed to, but you know we're not machines; we're different people, and um, there always is going to be slightly 
you know, as much as we try and and get things as consistent as possible, there always is going to be a little bit of of differences between people. Oh yeah, um, you know it's funny. But... I, I heard a someone sent me a a bootleg of Disappear the other day, and I'll tell you, Garrett, I am so sorry for not taking your note because like I there were there were times. And it's funny, <laughs> right? Because like I I give I would get a couple of different notes from Garrett on on the reg, and like in my mind, I was like, I'm doing it, and then like. As I listen, I'm like, oh, like I am stretching that phrase or whatever. Like I'm like, pick it up, baby. And I like look back on it. But it's just funny because when you're in the moment and you're in the everyday, you're like, this feels slow to do it this way, or like, or that, or this feels, you know. And then you're like, oh, and you're removed from it, and you're like, I get it. Like you're just trying to make it. I think the, I think the mentality is like you're you, when you've run out of the like. When your mind no longer, because of I don't want to say boredom, but when it go, but uh, because of repetition, no longer goes from A to B, uh, you have to build A B C D E F G like in in there to get back to B. Of in terms of like I don't know if it's like story or in terms of just like whatever it is that's pushing me towards choosing that next note or whatever. Um, in the phrase, I think that uh, it's just funny because as time goes on, you you do need to f- you fill in the gaps more for yourself. It's not as uh, linear as it once was. Like I I mean, in my mind, many many times I I was I was um many things that were not in the show. <laughs> I was I was many things. I was struggling of many diseases and things that obviously, <laughs> like not actually, but you know, you fill your mind with all these things to try and um you know see like oh I wonder if this will make it interesting today like you know. <laughs> Like, I'd love to hear that. You what? I'd love to hear that bootleg. Oh, I I will I will send you. <laughs> I would, but then you give me the note again, so I don't know. I don't <laughs> right now. I don't give you notes based on a bootleg. What kind of music director do you think I am? No, I know that would be hilarious if if you were like, "Hey Noah, I went online the other day and it's not looking good." <laughs> you have text out of the blue. The documented history yeah. of this note. <laughs> Just got like a spiral bound book in the mail. It's like just has notes on it. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I would, I would, I would, I would read it. I always, I always check with David Jeffrey, who was. Uh, so David started uh, in the cast in Toronto, and then he came to us, and he was a he was a triple cover like Noah was his first year, and then he went to Broadway to play Connor. And I always joke with him like throughout this like year, I've been like. Hey David, how's those Jared? How are those Jared notes coming? Like, I sent you a page to Medicine Hat. Um, I hope, like, yeah, got <laughs> I it. I, <laughs> I would like to see that applied on on Tuesday. So you know, <laughs> that was so hilarious. chop chop. Like... But that was interesting. Uh, it it made me think of like from night to night. You're doing the. Sh- I mean, doing a show every night. There's like some serious like psychology involved in that. Like, it's yeah. super interesting. But um. It must be because, like, depending on what mood you're in, or like what kind of day you had, like, like tempos, like as it could go as far as like tempos of songs could feel different. Yeah, and I'm sure that's like that's also kind of jarring. And it kind of goes back to what you said, like, oh, so I got this note, and I think I'm doing it, but like it just like judging by like what kind of day you had, like things could feel more stretched out or more compressed based on like your mood and things like that. And I'm sure that like, that's that. And that's like kind of on me as a music director to understand, like that's hard. Well, I mean, and it's like when someone doesn't, you know, incorporate a note and I, and like, I feel like 
it's good for me to hear things like that because in my brain i'm just like oh well okay so either they forgot or whatever and then if they don't do it the next day or the next day or the next day it's like okay maybe they're not listening but actually what it could be is like i'm realizing it could just be like they think they're doing it but the the almost like the monotony of just doing this show every night is just kind of warping something well yeah and it's interesting right because like the other day i showed someone a song that i wrote and um there's like little spaces for dance breaks at certain moments and my i have really intense anxiety and so sometimes i'll show it to some i'll show it to one person and the dance break will feel really valid and will feel very like you know like it flows into one another but then i'll show it uh, to another person and if I feel start to get anxious that they aren't responding to it or something the way that, that I would that I would like them to or that I intended it will feel like a lifetime that dance break it will feel like it's forever and it's completely invalid and I had that same sensation you know on stage all the time where and unfortunately that's just the battle of living with anxiety is like you know my tendency as a human being generally actually not in the context of this note that we were talking about but generally is to is to rush because when I get anxious that I'm not being received in such a way that is valid to the search circumstance, I'm like, let me get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and my goal is to sing or say as fast as possible until I can get the fuck off stage. Right. <laughs> and um, so well, when you get over, it's like stretch this out. You're like, oh my god, that is exactly the thing I didn't want to hear. <laughs> Well, it's funny. My my tendency, I've said it to a lot of people too, is is always to push as well. It's and I'm always conscious of that. And I didn't think about it until you just said it. But like maybe that's it. Like let me just get through this as fast yeah. as I possibly can. Oh yeah. But you you mentioned like audience response too, which is, is something that you guys have to deal with. They're right in front of you. You know, I I never see them because I'm I'm out of sight, out of mind. Our our band on the platform kind of has that sort of thing, but you guys are on top of them. Right. You know, sometimes like right in front of them, you can actually see their expressions and 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 how they're reacting to these things. So did they laugh at that? Did they, you know, are they are they crying? Are they asleep? You know, right. it's like <laughs> you, you know, it's and then everything in addition to what you're trying to do, you know, you're thinking about that it's like oh shit, yeah did i is there something that i didn't do or that i i wish i had thought about but and then you know that's just like a well, whole other element you know yeah, in a show where especially like in a show like you have Hansen, like that is very very calculated sort of to an inch of its life of of the pace of certain lines and how things are delivered you know in terms of getting across character um from a directorial standpoint um yeah it is really when something doesn't happen the way that you it <laughs> happens every day it's you're like it's my fault and i i sucked at that <laughs> and, and uh and it's funny right because also theater is like such like a you know, I, I struggle with it on a regular basis. It's like a strange, tortured love triangle that you have because it's like you want to be, of course, you want to be present and with your scene partner at all times. You want to be involved in the scene and you should, and to be honest, like you shouldn't really worry about like how they're responding or pay any attention to them. Like I, like the job is kind of like forget about them and do the thing so that they can have a good time um, and believe it. And but it's funny because like on days where I'm like, I feel fat, I feel bloated or whatever, like, and I just like simply don't want to be under the hot lights and have, you know, 4,000 people staring at me. I can't help but like, you know, be especially aware of, you know, their reactions to things or whatever. And, but it's also, what's interesting is that it's that weird love triangle that makes that magic of theater because, you know, 
it's not the same. I mean, it is, it's not the same. It, it, having a live experience is like, yeah, there's that weird energy in the room that exists between somewhere between the audience and the people on stage and like that we're all kind of sharing and that's what makes it so special. And that's like, so it, without it, it would be, it wouldn't be theater, but also with it, it can, it can be stressful. Right. Yeah. I think that's, do you, so I know like, Again, I, I think I've I've said this already on this episode, but like we all love what we do and like that's that's just kind of a given. Like, you know, yeah, of course. Have I love what I do. Coolest <laughs> job ever. But like when you do it every day, and I'm sure it's it's um musicians and actors alike, I'm sure Noah that you have shows where you're there's something going on and you're like, Okay, I'm not sick, I don't need to call out, but there's something that something in me that like doesn't want to do the show tonight. Right. Like, I don't know if that ever happens to you, but like, mm-hmm. if does it, and if it does, like, how do you like deal with that? Like, do you have any things that you do to help you or? Yeah. Uh, you know, but. I, yeah, I can, no, I mean, I, I can definitely speak to that. I think, um, well, first off, unless what I kind of learned, you know, pretty quickly is that, you know, unless it's kind of like a medical emergency or you really truly have like nothing in your system to sing, uh, Right. You know, the goal is to really be is to be up there eight times a week, because also like as much as you I mean, you absolutely 100 percent need to take care of your health. And I do think that there is need in this industry to, you know, prioritize their actors a little bit more and, and make sure that in terms of like the mental and emotional health of these people who are putting themselves through a lot of wild stuff to, you know, provide entertainment. Uh, oh, nice. So that thing is really that is important. And I think that those kinds of things are being addressed. Um, I think that. um but yeah, in terms of so yeah, but the, but the job is to get up there eight times a week, especially because like you know, I mean, and I have the perspective of being both an understudy and an onstage cast member. So like, it is never any less special when an understudy goes on. However, I do think that like some people do buy tickets, being like, oh, I really am excited to see this person, and like sometimes I think about that because like you know, people will send me a message and be like, I can't wait to see you as Connor on X date, and I'll be like, I hope I'm on that day. You know, to be like, and that's scary, and like um. Yeah. And so you like, you want to, and, and a show that means so much to people. And so you really want to, you know, come through on that front and you want to, um, you know, bring, yeah. So I, I think there's definitely pressure in terms of, um, you know, uh, dealing with when you run into a situation where, you know, you're sort of on the fence of like, okay, I could do it, but I couldn't do it. I often, you know, try in my regular day to do anything I can to bring myself just a little bit of like mental emotional joy or whether it's like taking a bath or if it's you know getting a cup of tea also if you're listening to this I don't know what the tea place is called but if you're listening to House of Tea House of uh, Tea Boulder Colorado Boulder, Colorado <laughs> come check it out you're better at this than we are yeah, you are <laughs> no I'm just so trying we'll to get, we'll, we'll give the endorsement to him uh, <laughs> not these two not these... <laughs> it's gonna backfire on us no guys it's, it's gonna happen i feel it in my bones i'm manifesting it for y'all <laughs> yeah but anyway it's just it, yeah i just do things that are um he soothing for the soul or i'll try and i and i will also um you know uh I don't know. I mean, I have a bunch of different methods. My, my like main, like actual like things that I do do are um, turmeric is like one of these things that I, I put, I, I helped me a lot in the second year. I know it sounds ridiculous, but like it actually, what happens to your uh, vocal cords when you're, regardless of whatever you're doing, if you're doing it eight times a week and there's one break in the middle, 
your vocal cords uh, to some extent are going to get a little swollen and like, and you need that Monday to rest so that they can, you know, sort of come back to normal size and you can start the, and you have to drink lots of water to avoid those kinds of things. Um, but for me, you know, I found little things like that, that, um, and obviously little techniques in my voice over time to be like, okay, this is how you conserve energy and this is how you, um, but then also little supplements and things like that. And, things to control my allergies because we were in a ton of different cities and like I would act up and like my allergies would also swell up my vocal cords and things like that. And so, you know, that, that all just took um, time. And I think the wonderful thing, and actually the sad thing at the same time is that I, I felt like when we were in Salt Lake city in the final city before COVID hit, I was like, I get it. I know how to do it now. And then they were like, great, it's done. And I Broadway when you were when you were both younger never never oh wow really uh yeah my first the first time I saw a Broadway show was um I think I was like a senior in college wow really that's crazy I I kind of did like I played in pits just casually up until then and I did like a little bit of music directing in in college Mm -hmm. but never was I like like I I have a math degree so like I thought I was going to like get out and be like an actuary or an accountant. Wow. And so like, I just got a phone call from my friend who was like, well, I'm moving to New York. Come with me. Let's be musicians. And I was like, okay. Done and done. Yeah. <laughs> my story was much more boring. My parents are, are music teachers. So of course, you know, that we're like, that they loved the, they loved the, my dad would direct his, he, he taught, um, uh, chorus at a high school and then he was responsible for directing all of the musicals wow. at his school too so that's how i sort of found my way into that but um my first musical was the lion king okay um that was back when it was at the new amsterdam theater oh because it's um, off now or is yeah, it yeah now yeah okay. so the theater where aladdin's at now for anyone who's not familiar with the the theaters where they're where they're at but you know, audience know your broadway theaters <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what's a Latin? Podcast <laughs> <laughs> no. sponsored by Noah, just shaming everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's like he wanted to. But I, I think I remember. I remember the reason I bring it up is because I, you know, the way that things were situated in the the New Amsterdam theater, um, it was the first time. I don't know if it was the first time, but it, it was. It was the the thing about the Lion King for the, that's really cool is that they're they're drummers. Uh, there are five drummers on that show and they had two uh, African drummers who were out playing the, the hand drums in the, the theater. So wow. the the way the New Amsterdam theater is set up is they had all of those box seats, right? Going up. Um, if you look at pictures or if you just go see Aladdin, you'll see like those, those box seats. Well, um, in one of those box seats, that's where they had the uh, two of the drummers set up and you could just watch them play the whole time. And uh, that was something that blew me away 
when wow. I was when I was little, you know, when seeing, you know, I mean, the Lion King in and of itself is amazing to see just as it is, but getting to watch the drummers play the whole time. Yeah. The entire show was really cool. And um at the the thing that's different about the Minskoff is that they actually had to build um platforms up wow. um in the theater. Um, and I think there's like a documentary you can see on YouTube where they talk about what the renovations they had to do to get, because yeah, it, it's listed as the, the drummers are supposed to be visible. They're, they're part of the aesthetic of the show. So okay. um, when they moved to theaters, they had to build these um, these boxes for them to, because there was no, there's no boxes in the Minskoff Theater. So um, wow. it was really interesting. Like, to day, I'll do that too. And then they're like, actually, Ryan, you're going in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to be out in front and, and wave to the audience as I play this. Like, we're going to build you uh, a home. Uh, we're going to build you like a terrarium in the basement. And we're just going to take one of those giant like rabbit sort of water bottle feeders and attach it to the bottom. You can just live there. Um, the rabbit feeders. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it, it, it was It was funny because that was one of the things that was – say that again? We'll build you a wheel too for your ex. <laughs> you know, you can have like a little hamster wheel for yourself. We'll change your feed like every week. Don't worry about it. We'll take good care of you. And they do take very good care of me. <laughs> totally. Um, he actually doesn't even play the drums. He just does the wheel, and then the wheel has little like toggles on it that hit symbols and things like that when it's being operated. Have you ever seen like Adam music? That's it's exactly what's going on down there. It's just a whole bunch of machines hitting things, and I'm just running it with like. <laughs> It's like Frollo visiting him, being like, the world is cruel. (laughs) I know with like my, you know, incredibly fit body, you know, it would suggest that I'm always down there running on that hamster wheel. I mean. (laughs) Snatched. (laughs) We'll figure that out. At any rate, that was why I brought up the Amsterdam Theater. Because the the cool thing about that is that because they're, they're out in the audience, you do get to see them a little bit more. Or you right. you did get to see them a little bit more from your perspective in the New Amsterdam because it was they were very much in the audience. Whereas right. in the Minskoff, they're they're out in front of the audience, but not in the same way. You know, they're a little bit further removed. Wow. Um, yeah, so that's, that, yeah, they they that's amazing that they just made a renovation for something like like that. They, I mean, that's also that Disney money too. They were like, hey, if the if the drums are not six feet high, we well, have it, all the money to pay for it. So. <laughs> Give him six feet high. Well, Lonnie was touring with it for a while, and oh, really? uh, and I, I, I was like, I have to know the answer to this question. Like, how do you, how, how, how do you do that? Like, as obviously you can't, you know, you're going into different theaters all the time. So when you get these drummers to go out there and play, how do you, like, what happens if there's no box seats? What do you right. do? Like, and they say, well, they just set up two platforms on the side of the stage and they play right there in front wow. of the stage. Um, which I was like, oh, of course, you know, right. like they, they, they would find a way. But I said, always just trying to always like, well, make it work. work. Yeah. <laughs> I miss her. I miss her. Um, What was it? Small Scoop Saturday, Small Scoop Sunday, something like that. Yes. I can't remember. Lonnie, Lonnie took such good care of us. Like um, in terms of food for us, um, Lonnie, Lonnie took about as good a care of us as Stacy did with food. Like there was, there was always snacks and, and small scoop Saturday, small scoop Sunday. I forget which one it was. One of the two. She was just but so generous. Whatever though. it was, it was she healthy. took such good care of us and it was delicious and healthy. And, you know, she was, 
know, I mean, I, I was always like, I always loved running in the Lonic. It was always funny because I, I would have the consistent interaction of being like, because it's like on, I think on stage right is um the, you know, Lonnie's box usually. And then if, if you're trying to cross the stage, you go past like the, um, the, the quick change booths and stuff. And so I would always go off stage right and be like, hey, Lonnie. And she'd be like, try this delicious, amazing thing. And I'd be like, oh, great. And then I would take <laughs> one bite and I'd turn around and Christina would be like, ah, 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 robe. <laughs> Put that robe on right now before you eat that. <laughs> And I'd be like, ah, foiled again, even though it was always rigged against me every time. <laughs> and I would have gotten away with it too. Would have gotten away with it too. What if, what if there's like a, uh, if there's like a conspiracy where Lonnie's just like trying to get you all in trouble? <laughs> it's possible. Maybe it's, it's honestly a setup. It's a genius. Oh my I, God. I, I used to freak, um, I used to freak our crew out sometimes because in the beginning, um, I would just hang out in my little terrarium, um, <laughs> but, uh. Since then, I'll come up and you know come up for air, you know, yeah. and and I'll I'll sort of wander around. Back, food. <laughs> you, you go back down there, but occasionally, uh, Lana will be like, "What are you doing up here?" Oh I've done God. like paperwork in the uh in the company management office because oh there's a between um between waving through a window and for forever. I think it's like a 15 minute break for me. Like I don't play any of the incidental music. Wow. Um. So if there's like a like I remember I had to do like sort out some things with taxes, I think in like Portland. <laughs> and I was like, I'll just go do it between waving. So like, um, I was like up there, like sorting, sorting through things. And, uh, uh, Dan was like, Oh my God, are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, I got it. <laughs> shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Like W2 this. It's like, Excuse me. Do you have a visitor? My Canadian forms. <laughs> yeah, truly. It's so funny to think that like people don't, know half of what's going on back there between the taxes and the eating hummus and all the, oh, yeah. all the things that are going on that are not the show it's funny it's like you could you could make up something wild that is not even close to true and at that point some of us would believe it you know it's like we have an entire like kiddie pool full of hummus <laughs> and that's just what we do in the green room every time they set it up you know it's like i wish i asked for that for my birthday birthday club i wish I... <laughs> An entire kiddie pool of hummus. Not settling for anything less. <laughs> you know, like work that into the contract next time. It's like, you know, like, all right, hey, we're going to tour. Everything's going to be exactly the same <laughs> except to tour a kiddie pool full of hummus. Um, no one's willing to accept a third less of his pay as long as he can <laughs> get an entire kiddie pool of hummus on his birthday. I think that's a fair trade. That's great. I, I, I think that's very reasonable. And I think we need to start drafting the, um, you know, paperwork right now. No, who had you for birthday club? I think Ryan. No, no. Ryan. No, you had me. You were right because you're 13, right? Yeah. And so I'm 14. So ours were always back to back. Sierra. Maybe, no, not Sierra. Who's the Sagittarius? Sierra. Sierra, I think. Sierra, no, maybe not actually. No, there has to. I feel like it wasn't. I feel like it was one more person. I feel like it was one more person too. I don't. I'm trying to remember who it was. I should remember this. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. Jess? No, Jess isn't hair makeup. Jess? I, I. It could be. I think it could be actually. Oh, I don't know. The sound that doesn't seem right to me. I feel like there's one other person. it was isn't listening to this because that's really offensive that they bought me <laughs> years in a row. And I'm like, I got no idea what game of that. Well, the funny thing is I I remember my first birthday club because Noah got me this carrot cake that was <laughs> unbelievable. It was so unbelievable that Ben Ross kept talking about 
<laughs> my birthday cake for like four or five days after the fact. Oh and I was God. like, that's how you know, right? That's how you know, like your birthday club cake giver had absolutely <laughs> knocked it out of the park. Of uh -huh. course, that left me in a very uncomfortable position of having to follow that, follow that. for, um, for Carlos and the problem with Carlos is Carlos is a new year's baby. So like trying to get anything from like a bakery oh. or anything like that to line up is difficult because, um, because like sometimes new year's like there'll be different, you know, it's not impossible, right. but the first time we did it, we were on a, a travel day. So it was a travel day into new year's. And there was absolutely no way I was going to be able to find any sort of bakery that was going to be able to make that work. And I tried as hard as I could. I'm like, I have no idea. I'm going to pull this off. Mesa too. Like, yeah, town of bakeries. Like, like that's. <laughs> I was like, oh man. Yeah. What am I going to do? So, um, so that was the year I I made him the cake. What? I was so, <laughs> I was so embarrassed because I'm like, I am not a baker. That's but... even more heartfelt and wonderful that you like went to that effort. I was I was so nervous and Matt Brown was making fun of me the whole time because um so we it was Garrett was living with me at the time too. So it was Garrett, Matt San Giovanni, myself, and Matt Brown who were living in this Airbnb. It was a gorgeous Airbnb. But the woman who was the um the owner um was there to let us in and she said to us something to the effect of Garrett, correct me if I'm wrong, but she something to the effect of um don't Oh uh, yeah, please feel free to use the kitchen, but don't, you know, if, if you don't know how to cook, don't, don't use the kitchen. And we were all like, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, for sure. That night I was like on the phone with my mom. I was like digging through the kitchen. I'm like, how do I make a cake? I'm just like <laughs> pulling things out right. every which way trying to, but, um, I, don't yeah, think I, I was, was so nervous. I wasn't here yet. Oh, go, oh go. You, maybe not. Because I was driving down from, um, where were we before? San Francisco. My brother, my brother and I were driving down. The, right. Oh, wow. But yeah, that, hilarious. I actually, uh, um, I have a really funny uh, birthday club story. If it's okay. Um, so in Boston, so Matt San Giovanni and I uh, share. Share what? I love, I love this story. Yeah, Matt San Giovanni and I share a birthday. Oh, you do. Sixteenth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whoa! I did not know that. Yeah, same year too. It's it's wild. That yeah. is crazy. Like an hour and a half apart. Wow. Um, so uh, we're July sixteenth. John Hemphill is July seventeenth. So we had John Hemp. So both of us had to, um, you know, provide for John Hemphill. And uh, Matt comes up to me. I think this was like a couple days before our birthday, being like, "Okay, so John." Um, John told me that he wants this very specific banana pudding from this bakery in New York. And we're in Boston at the time. Okay. I'm like, okay, great. So how do we get it? And, and Matt's like, well, we can ship it. We can get it shipped to Boston. We can get it shipped right to the opera house. It'll be like 80 bucks total. Um, so like, you know, maybe we could split it halfway, like 40 and 40. I'm like, great. That's awesome. That's super easy. Thank you for taking care of that. And like, I didn't ask him like what the bakery was called or whatever. I was just like, sure, do it. Why not? And it all ended up great. Like the pudding was great, but um, it turns out it was this very famous uh, banana pudding from Magnolia Bakery, which is actually based in Boston. <laughs> so they had one just like right down the street. <laughs> I'm so, like, oh my god! If you know where, if you know where like the theater is 
like there's so Garrett's telling me the story and <laughs> like he's like yeah they didn't have one I don't think Matt was like they didn't have one in Boston I was like well what was the thing he's like yeah it's like Magnolia Bakery I'm like Daniel Hall or something right like it's in Quincy Market <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. Right there <laughs> I was like I walked by it I walked by it today and he's like wait there's one that close to the theater because like i think everyone knew that it was closer than new york but right. it was comical because it was literally like a 10 minute walk from the theater stepped away and, and he... it's like also like on me for not asking him like all right what's the bakery called maybe we can find one closer i was just like okay sure let's do it like and i get it i would have done the same thing I have a question for you guys. What was your craziest? Uh, I don't know if you have any, but I, I was. If you have, if you have any crazy Airbnb stories, we Airbnb so much. Was there anything? It's so, it's so funny you brought that up. We were, we were just talking with Matt about that last oh, time really? too. We, we sort of went round robin about our crazy Airbnb stories. Um, Gary, you want to go first? Me? I think you should go first because I need I need to remember what I said. Okay. <laughs> crazy Airbnb stories. Uh or no, you we're gonna come around to you too. No, please. So. But, <laughs> um, I would have to say so about Matt. Tell one, tell tell me a different one, or tell me the same one. I don't care. It's more for your listeners. Okay. So, um, I'll, I'll tell I'll tell two. Um, uh, one was ours in Chicago. Um, so, uh, so Matt and I, Matt Brown and I, lived a lot together on the tour. Um, and. Uh, we found a place in Chicago that was close enough to the theater that was not, you know, it wasn't going to be absurdly expensive. Anyone who's ever tried to live in Chicago before knows just how much of a nightmare it is to find affordable housing close to even remotely close to any of these theaters. It's insane. Um, so, uh, we're coming from the airport and the, uh, we put in the address and the guy takes us to a place. He's like, this place doesn't exist. Oh, no. <laughs> so never we're like, Oh no. <laughs> what are we going to do now? So basically what, uh, we reach out to the, the girl who was the, um, uh, the owner of the place. She said, no, no, that's not the right address. Airbnb is that's the wrong address in the Airbnb. And she gives us the right address. And we pull up to what looks like, um, a pretty swanky sort of, um, residence building with like a doorman and everything like that. And we're like, this can't possibly be right. Wow. But okay. So we go in there and there's like this sort of, I don't know if you guys have ever been through this where it, sometimes it gets a little shady with Airbnb because it's like these people are on Airbnb and they're Airbnb their places out, but the building management's like, right. you're not supposed to do that. So you're like the middleman between like the, like, yeah, you the, can go in, but just make sure you drop the doorman a 40 before you right. walk. It's door. like, you gotta like, you gotta like corroborate this lie between like the person who's like, who's owning the place. It's like, yeah, we're just friends of Sue's. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I've never seen you around these parts before. Like, you know, like, you're like, Oh, we know Sue. Good old Sue. You know, like, Sue. I can tell you so many things about her, but I'm going to walk over here. Now. Right? It's like, I'm just going to completely, ignore that and we're just gonna go up so at any rate um we get into this place and the entire apartment smells like cigarette smoke like just there is just no way to get around it 
and um it was it was between um we're trying to figure out okay well do we do we leave and if we leave where do we go right um but it was we were straddling that thing where it was like it's affordable um and you know it it was clean it just smelled like cigarette smoke it was such a a a bummer but we did wind up living there for the month oh my god and i think the 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 deciding factor was we were literally across the street from the stage door. Oh yeah. I mean, um, so we were like, okay, it smells like cigarette smoke, but we're going to open the windows. And she was very nice. She did. She brought in like, um, you okay. know, air, air filters and it, it didn't really work, <laughs> but we, we found a way to make it work. Um, that was, that was not like at that time. The, yeah. God. It, well, cause the funny thing is like, she's like, we're trying to like open up a window in February in Chicago. On oh like at the like the twenty seventh floor of, of a building, it's like it's like of the windy city of Chicago. It's like well, maybe so. You were poor Matt's got his windows open and he's like shivering as he's going into the room. It's like at least it doesn't smell like cigarettes. It's like you know my cell phone charger's frozen, but you know like it's literal ice, just like, ice blocks in my room. Yeah. We had we did that one, and then the other one was Boston. Um, I called it the rabbit hole because it was literally that's exactly what it was. We we lived in the barely finished basement of what looked like a a college dorm house. Oh my god! And again, we were there for a month. It was like these two places. I think that that's probably why they were so rough is because we were there for so long. But again, like the um, the price just drastically outweighed the. you know the inconvenience and, and you know like what i was saying to matt on the last episode was it's like sometimes you're like balancing you know like okay is it you know like how much time you're really spending in this airbnb can you hoof it for that long and we got a really good one coming up next so you suck it up for a little bit yeah, yeah. so those are my two big ones and they weren't horrible we, we've actually never left we've been very lucky we've never had to leave an airbnb um you know knock on wood yeah, that right. won't happen in the future but um but yeah those are my two stories um not that's really <laughs> were you gonna go no no i mean i can't you go. i want you to go well i just i was gonna i've been thinking about it i've been like listening to you guys but also thinking about it but i i realized that i've been pretty lucky and that might partly be because i try and like mix it up so like i'll do an airbnb and then i'll make sure i do a hotel maybe like once a month or once every couple months um so i don't do quite as many airbnbs um the one that was probably most interesting um not necessarily crazy was our ryan we talked about this our airbnb in san francisco um oh man we ended up uh it was me ryan and matt san giovanni and we got a place in Emeryville, which is across the bridge. It's like in Oakland. Oh, yeah. If, if anyone knows about Pixar, Pixar Studios is actually located in em- Emeryville. We were actually down the road from where the actual, like if you walk down the road, you could see the giant Pixar sign. That was yeah. right where we were. Yeah. So we had to take the part in every day um, for the show, which I kind of liked. I like a train ride, but like, yeah. it's kind of like. But and anyone who's anyone who's ever taken the BART before knows how scary it can get after dark. Oh, yeah. Thing, it's like don't don't do that by yourself, right? <laughs> Be together. And I remember, but I do remember one time where I found myself by myself, like on the BART, and um, like I made it back, like without any, you know, back to the Airbnb without any issues. But um, but no one was home, and I didn't have a key. Oh, I think 
I remember this. Key into the gate, so you like you, you had you needed a key into the gate. So oh then you no! To get in a place too, so like literally no one was home. I was sitting outside. It was like maybe one one a.m. or something. No. Um, I think I texted. I must have texted you, right? I think I think you did. You were like, I don't have a key to get in, and I don't know. I can't remember where I was. I remember getting the text. I'm like, oh shit, we got to do something because it's like not that's not a good place to be at one. They're, they're not. I mean, San Francisco in general isn't a wonderful place to be at one a.m. by yourself. But you know, poor yeah. Garrett is like he's outside this Airbnb that's got a gate. Uh, we had ants in that Airbnb. Oh my god! Um, um, like, Garrett's still- a like, Gareth's allergic to cats. Um, there were like, um, <laughs> there were like three or four stray cats that lived oh, no. outside. Like, <laughs> yeah, I had to. I and I ended up having to babysit a cat on Christmas morning. So I woke up on Christmas morning, like I was by myself, and this cat was like <laughs> right by me, who I'm allergic to. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> so Matt had a had a cat in well he was he was taking the cat for like a very short amount of time but it was right around the time where matt wasn't there i wasn't there because we were both off with different people and and poor garrett had to sit in this antsy basementy airbnb in emeryville with a cat that he was allergic to on christmas why did you do this i I don't wish that upon anyone i think that was well well, uh, Matt had like let us know that the the cat was going to be staying with us, like because yeah, it, it was planned. We I think it, we we knew that it was coming, and obviously the the ants weren't planned. We knew that the Airbnb was in Emeryville. <laughs> we knew that uh, the cat was going to be coming with us, and that was all clear. Because and also, I'm going to plant some ants right behind. Yeah. Me. <laughs> Bring some ants with me, you guys. I just want to make sure that they're taken care of for the weekend. I was actually the mastermind behind this. I was just trying to haze Garrett. I was like, let's release the ants. And Matt, can I have your cat stay with us for like a week? And uh, I want to make sure and- that Garrett doesn't have any contact with his family or his brother. He stays here with the cat and the ants. And I'm out. I'm going to go see my parents. <laughs> it takes an hour to get anywhere else. <laughs> it's cool. Like, why don't we live as far away as we possibly can so that the assistant music director for the show who has to be there probably more than anyone else like has to travel in on this scary train i i didn't think i didn't think about any of that throughout just like i like garrett i like matt let's live together let's find a cheap place so that's probably mine i mean like in, in a way i was i was really grateful because it was the first like that was the first time in my life, believe it or not, I woke up on Christmas morning and I was by myself. Well, not by myself, but like I was the only like um, human. human being there. <laughs> and that was also the only time I ever woke up next to something that I'm allergic to on Christmas morning. Come on, Garrett, you had the ants. <laughs> the ants, too. They're but beings. Matt They're didn't beings. ask me before. Like, let me be clear. Like, Matt did tell me, hey, is it, I know you're allergic to face, but like, right. I, can he stay here for a couple nights um like around christmas and i was like yeah totally but i didn't expect to have to take care of the cat on christmas so well, i think that i i wasn't sure when i was gonna be around and i'm not allergic to cats so i think i probably agreed to watch the cat without thinking that oh crap i'm gonna be visiting my parents probably around christmas right and then matt had had people in town that he was visiting as well right so um it was yeah it was just poor planning. I'll take responsibility for that. That was poor planning on on my part. Let's <laughs> go. Good time. I learned a lot. <laughs> I learned a lot about 
myself and people. It was and, it was certainly an interesting Airbnb though, for sure. It was it was it was not phenomenal, but you know, you make do. He developed. We made, we made it work that day. Actually, he learned how to he learned how to beat his allergy because of that. Christmas. It was a Christmas miracle. <laughs> Christmas immunity. That was my Christmas present. I didn't know that at the time, but I was going to I was going to rid myself of my cat allergy. Right. And you're like, oh my god, snow, and you're like, no, it's just dander. <laughs> <laughs> what better Christmas present is there than clear sinuses? Am I right? <laughs> oh or like unclear sinuses, but clear sinuses later. <laughs> All right. No, it's your turn. I'm yeah. Sorry. No, we have to know. Um, yeah. It's. This is the the one. Mine is just that there's. Uh, it was the one time I ever um, actually had to pay after the fact because of it. You know what I'm talking about? Like you know when you mess up so bad that you actually have to like do something. Which like it wasn't actually that bad, but I found the circumstance just very amusing. Um, so essentially, uh, I'm not gonna say what city because I don't know who's listening. But I'm not gonna say. <laughs> uh, so, but I was in a city and I was living alone and I was in kind of a more isolated area, but it was a great apartment. However, there were the, I guess the people who owned it were photographers and there were photos all over the wall that were very, very intense portraits of people. Very, very like eyes, like really like sharp portraits and like people wearing masks, like masquerade stuff. And like, it was, it was fucking creepy is what it was. <laughs> and and so anyway i was like oh wow and i remember like you know uh texting maggie my girlfriend and being like oh my gosh like i'm terrified to be in this i'm terrified to be in this house but it's all good it's a great apartment um but anyway i kept reading things on the wall that were like yeah like our inspiration like it's fresh every time and it would be like weird dot dot dots and stuff and i was like these people probably take pictures of their victims and then murder them when they live in this house um and like so I like convinced myself of this whole story. I was like, these people are murderers. I like went in my I went in my room and there were all these doors that they were like, never go in that door. Like, you know what I mean? Like there was you weren't ever allowed to go in there. And um so anyway, I was terrified of this place. Uh and one night I was there. Uh you're not supposed to have dogs and cats and things like that and many different kinds of Airbnbs. Sometimes right. against it. And um anyway, there was a rule against it in this particular one. Um but I, you know, Maria, my, our friend from tour was like, um, Hey, like, I just want to bring my dog over for a quick second. Just say hi to you. And I was like, yeah, that should be fine. I'm not going to like house a dog here. I'm just going to like, just please come in and say hi. And then, and then peace out. Um, so anyway, uh, later that week, uh, I was, I think I was like chopping vegetables or something. I cut, I cut myself and, um, I was bleeding and I, I, uh, I couldn't find something immediately to use. So I, I found the, uh, the towel in the bathroom and I, I covered my, uh, you know, to get to dab my hand and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I, I should wash these. I forgot to go and wash these towels, but I, you know, left them in the bathroom eventually. Cause I was like, they're just going to do the laundry. It's fine. And I, I you know, I'm, if they mention it, I feel bad. Um, but anyway, so I, it wasn't that much either. It was, it, you know, it was just something. Anyway, so I leave the apartment and I get a message from this lady who I thought was a murderer uh, that said, hey, so I found blood on the towels and dog hair everywhere. And you're not even supposed to have dogs in this apartment. I just want to know what happened. And it, she said it 
in such an accusatory way to make it sound like I murdered dogs in her apartment. Like it was, that was kind of the like the tone she was taking with me is like I had done something criminal in there. And I was like, and because I also was like, no, no dogs. And she was like, really? Because I found X, Y, and Z hairs everywhere and blood on the towels. You <laughs> both think the other is a criminal. I like, know. <laughs> I was like, it turns out I was a criminal. I was, all the time. That was, I had to pay money because I had, which is, which I, I told Maria, Maria was like, oh no, but like, I like, I had to pay because of the fucking dog, I guess like shed a little bit of hair around and they were like, it ruined the place. Um, like I, I found longer along the way, like even sometimes Airbnb hosts would be a little uh, much and they would like, and they would, uh, I, I, I mean, you always make an effort to be as polite as possible, but right. If I felt that I was not in the wrong about something where somebody was, you know, trying to blame me or put something on me, um, I was always still made an effort to be uh, kind because the thing is, is that you can't get when you're on the road, you can't get bad Airbnb reviews. You have to right. be like, you depend on that. You can't yeah, Airbnb is anymore. So like even yeah. if like rude, I'm like, I'm so sorry, sir. Like, let me improve that for you immediately. Right. <laughs> well, I think the other thing too is like, you know, what's what are the chances that you're gonna run into each other again in the near future? You know what I mean? It's like the like you you like it's not gonna be uncomfortable if you have to like admit fault. It's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Um and then that's the end of it, you know, it's like but and then just like you were saying, it's like you have like so many people that you know, the the place we stayed in in uh um uh Costa Mesa. There we go. Um, yeah, Matt knew this person from tour, from staying in her place before. So like he already had like a connection from previous tours, so oh, that wow. we could, um, you know, he's like, I know this Airbnb. I've stayed here before. It's great. Nice. So we didn't have to worry about you know taking a gamble. But a lot of these, that's exactly what they are, though. You know, if, you're, if you've never like been to a city before, or stayed in a certain Airbnb, it is a complete gamble. You know, like it. You know, they could just be like. You know, I think we've all gotten pretty good at vetting, like, yeah. like because we've all been like burned, like on, yeah. on one way or another. Like, you know, it's like, oh man, this place looked a hell of a lot bigger. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I got when I was in Boston, the I got burned like real bad because I I didn't initially have um, housing. I was staying with a family friend who was wonderful. Um, but I was, you know, making a, I think I was making like a 45 commit, a commute every day to the show when we were there for a month. Mm-hmm. So at some point I was like, you know, I, I think I'm like, I think I, like around the, like the end of the first week, I was like, I think I'm just going to try to find some semblance of a place for the final two weeks that we're there so that I don't have to keep making this commute. Um, right. Cause it was a lot. And also I, I think what had happened is I had, I had been asked to go on for Evan and I was 45 minutes away and it was raining and I like, hadn't warmed up. And so I had to take an Uber and I, I literally, this is actually hilarious. I never... I don't think I've ever told anybody this. I was in an Uber one time when I got called to go on for Evan and I, it was very limited time. So I was like, sir, you don't know me, but I have to sing two of the loudest songs you've ever heard in your life right now. And I'm really sorry about it. And I did. And I sat back there and I sang through waving and for forever. And, um, and at the end of it, he was like, bravo. He was so excited. He was like, what is this music? Where can I see it? And I, and I was like, Boston House um, tonight, 8 p.m. Um, but anyway, I got burned because I was in Boston and I was switching a uh, housing situation and I, I got a place that looked great, but it was also very, very expensive because I was getting it so last minute and Boston's already crazy. And right. um, But I got it and the, 
it was like, and I, the reason I got it was because it was said it was near the theater, like in the general, like midtowny area. But mm-hmm. the entrance was in this like really sketch alley. Like you, like it was, I really mean it. It was a straight up alley. Like you had to like go down an alley and then like you were like the, like the door was somewhere in there. And then the apartment was weird too. Cause there was like, I didn't see it in the picture, but like there were no real like windows. It was just kind of like, there was no light coming in like ever. And so then but the alley was the thing like after the shows that I was like, okay, like I got to go down this freaking alley it's and like, hold your breath. It's like <laughs> so much money to go and be terrified down this alley. I don't hate it. Well, the funny thing is like the, the entrance to the uh, opera house. Um, oh yeah. Is, is, is in that alley way too. And I remember the first time uh, going down there, I'm like, Hmm. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> you know, it, it's just uh. You never know where you are on tour, and that's the thing is like in terms of the, and you can do your best to like identify safety of certain things, but then like sometimes it's like you know you wander into an area that you're like, oh okay, cool, I don't know this city at all, and maybe I I shouldn't be here, <laughs> like you know, right? Yeah. Well, it's funny, even even cities that you're, you know, Matt was asking me about, um, Philly, and I was like, I. I I've been around Philly, yeah. uh, you know, but I've uh, I even I would be like hesitant to just like say yeah that's a that's a that's an alley we trust you know <laughs> like that's any that's alley. A place we like if it's an alley I I don't know that if it's alley and it's past midnight like I I don't care where it is I'm I'm gonna be a little hesitant like right like the first time I ever almost got like jumped was when I was on a tour oh really yeah. I was in like, um, I was in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, of all places, to like get get in trouble. And I was in like this. Like, Sioux Falls has like this beautiful, beautiful park with all these little mini waterfalls. I don't know if either of you have been, mm-hmm. uh, but it's just a beautiful park. And um, I was like, I was stupid and like, not stupid, but I was like, it was ten thirty, eleven p.m., and we were about to leave Sioux Falls. And I was like, I just want to go down to that park again and like see the waterfalls. And everyone, no one was around, so I just went by myself, just to, like look at the waterfalls before we left. Yeah. And um, I was on my way out, and then just these like four shadows on bikes just surrounded me. It was oh, like a literal shit. circle. Oh, <laughs> I was man. like, what is happening? <laughs> What's that? They said, they said they had tactics. They were like, do the do the bird's nest. <laughs> <laughs> I was Flank him. I was like. <laughs> one <laughs> on here and uh like because i was the only one in the park and i like wasn't scared about it even though maybe i should have been a little nervous so that happened and i just like i was like hey guys and then i just booked it like down the street and they were like chasing me on their bikes laughing <laughs> and eventually i made it to like civilization so they like veered off once oh. you know we saw cars but like they're just trying to spook you so be careful. Yeah, sorry. That was a little tangent. These are our falls. <laughs> These are our waterfalls. <laughs> they, were, they were so pretty. That was one of my like not so proud moments. Way lamer jets. Like yeah. you gotta protect these falls like their own. We always have. <laughs> when your rough falls, your rough. <laughs> Noah, it's on you to write that parody. <laughs> I can definitely do that. <laughs> There's like four kids on bike. I don't even know how old they were. They could have been like 12. They were just shadows. It was like so late. 
the most terrifying gang. I've been running from a couple of 12 year olds. I don't even know, but like, that'd be a great little parody for West Side Story. We're going to rumble the rivers tonight. We're going (laughs) to. It's Sioux Falls. <laughs> so, no, we asked this question to Matt Brown, too. Um, and I'm going to ask you now. Um, uh, favorite food that you've oh, okay. had on tour? Like any city restaurant sort of place that comes to mind? Could be several if you can't decide one. I know I know what mine is. And it's fun. Well, because my favorite food of all time uh, is sushi. I love sushi. I'm a sushi buff. I love it. Nice. Um, but we went to, of all places, this is kind of random, especially for sushi, uh, went to Vancouver. And in Vancouver, we went to this one restaurant where we did like sort of like the chef thing. Like, I mean, we, I think we ordered a couple things that you could just order yourself, but like mm-hmm. where we ordered like the chef gives you like whatever he is feeling that day. And he was, he was feeling it good. Cause I, I, I have to say it was probably like the best sushi I've ever had in Vancouver, Canada. Um, though I guess that is on the water, so it doesn't make sense, but like, um, oh, yeah. But it was well, just- Vancouver is actually sorry to interrupt, but like um, Vancouver is actually known for having like a big Asian cuisine scene. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. No, I probably- um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a thing in Vancouver. So, uh, and if you don't know, now you know. Now you know. This is a podcast. This is a podcast about touring. About, to- about touring. Uh, <laughs> right, go on. And I think there was that was the first one that came to mind, but I feel like there was something else that that struck me in terms of like, we had so, I mean, we really did have so many like incredible meals along the way. Oh um, yeah. You guys know though. I, I can't remember anything else. And we have, did we ever, did we ever do one, one or two? We must have done a couple places as a company. Oh yeah. We I'm definitely trying to think. Where uh, we, oh yeah. There we go. We're good. So we were in Dallas and Thanksgiving and I cannot remember what the name of the place was, I don't either. but it was good. Um, Cask, cask and kitchen, I think was it, or cask and cask, right. yeah, yeah some like, and it was. Yeah, I don't know why that. I yeah, it doesn't take much for Ryan to remember food. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that that was a really nice place, and that was cool because everyone was there, right? Because like yeah. it was, I think everyone dressed up except for me, and um, <laughs> like uh, it was just like a really nice time to because uh, none of us obviously we had the show the next night, I think, so we were only off for a day. Yeah, um, and. Uh, yeah. It's funny because this this past year, obviously not this past year, but God, I can't believe that Christmas of 2019, <laughs> um, we had the week off for for Christmas, so we were all got to be home. Oh yeah, but, um, but the the first year, two, Christmas of 2018, um, we were we only had like two days, right? We were off the 24th. San no, we were off the 25th. No, 24th, 25th, and and we were back on the 26th, right? Yep um so so we were all in the city for that like we didn't have a you know i think if uh, i was lucky enough to have family in the city at that time um but uh everyone else uh that not everyone else but i think mostly everyone else in the tour was pretty much just you know on their own they were just like christmas home who literally flew home from across you flew home maryland i and i was home for like six hours and then i left and i was like great guys glad we nailed this christmas (laughs) yeah like to be home yeah Yeah. it is great to be i think that's that's the nice thing about if there's a silver lining to you know us not being on the road right now is we do get to spend time with with family and friends and Mm -hmm. uh to a certain extent you know while it's as safe as we possibly can be but 
Um, but yeah, um, I'm trying to think if there's any other question I had. I was wondering, Noah, like if you've ever, because I know we, Matt, uh, Ryan, we keep talking about like um, things we talked about with Matt B, but I want to know, right. about, Noah, like if you have ever been in a city where you became like a regular at a place, like if you ever like went to a place every day, whether it be like a coffee shop, like yeah. a tea place, a restaurant where like you were recognized. Did that yeah. ever happen? Because it did to me. Yeah. I, you mean, you mean like, it's just because I'm a frequenter there and stuff or like, or you don't mean because like I saw you in the show. You mean like, as in like. A... Well, actually both. Because that'd be kind of interesting. Do you get recognized from the show when you're in, in different cities? Yes. Uh, especially in the second year, but like in the second mm-hmm. year, but it was funny because, uh, well, two things. One, uh, one of the funny, one of the funniest things I ever experienced actually, like in in, in, the, in this particular, under the category of this particular question was, um, me and Sierra were in a city, uh, and we were trying to find a place to get a quick bite in between shows. And there wasn't a ton of stuff around. So we were just like, let's just go, um, let's go to the, there's like a cheesecake factory near here. They have like every option ever. Let's just go to cheesecake factory and like, and um, see if we can sit down and grab something. Um, And little did I, I guess I just didn't realize how close together the cheesecake factory was with the theater. And when I tell you that it was very clear that every other restaurant was closed and only cheesecake factory was open. So we just walked into essentially like a group of, and the whole restaurant was just audience people who had just seen the show and they were like, look, it's them. And like, we all like, and they were just like my daughter, my son, my daughter, my daughter, like, and all these things. And we were just, of course we were, we were like, yes, absolutely. Like, and I'm, I'm not also saying this from places like arrogance. Cause like nobody actually like, you know, <laughs> cares about me as a person today, just seeing the show. But like, um, but yeah, uh, we had seen the, yeah, they gave us the, what was it? It was, um, we were just trying to be really nice and make sure that we like acknowledged everybody. We just didn't plan to walk into that particular scene. Uh, and so we literally did not, we did not eat. <laughs> we, did, we, did, <laughs> we did not eat. We were just there like the whole time just being like, hi, let me meet your daughter. Let me meet your son. Like, and it was, uh, yeah. So that sometimes has happened. Other times it has happened just because like somebody like, um, like I was in, I think I was in like a Bonobos once and someone was like, oh, I saw the show. Like, and like um, that, that, that's always cool. Um, but in terms of the, uh, in terms of the being, um, a frequenter, I, in Portland always, they had all these little, um, carts and, and trucks and stuff like that, like food trucks kind of like, cause it was sort of near the university setting. And, um, I, uh, would often go to this same place for Patai and it was just this one guy who worked there and he only, and he worked, um, the same hours. And so like, he definitely, uh, we became you know, not like friends, but like we were, he recognized me. I recognized him and I was like, oh, your fat guy's amazing. Um, yeah. And uh, in terms of coffee too, I feel like that was definitely, I feel like it's easy with the coffee shop just because it's like, you know, there's oh. always um, somebody there that's a, that's a repeat visit. Um, a hot but, tip. If you're, if you're looking for theater people in a touring town, yeah. you're, you're about, you're about 50% likely to find someone in a coffee shop. Like, oh, totally. Like, uh, especially especially musician i would say like you know, we're, we we've been there like I, I run into so many people just that i wouldn't expect to run into from the tour like on yeah. in coffee shops but my favorite mm-hmm. one i think was messenger coffee in uh uh kansas city in kansas city okay there, there's yep. a couple in kansas city but i think it was it must have been i, I want to say it was kelsey answer that that told me about i messenger. think i remember kelsey 
Probably. Yeah. I, I was, it was one of you, I think it was, maybe it was both of you that I ran into when we were there. Um, but Matt and I were vicious when it came to like finding coffee shops. We were just like, you know, we're just like, let's let, all right, we moved in the Airbnb. Let's get a coffee. Let's, let's go find a coffee place. And that's your thing, Ryan. I'm sure Matt was just along for the no, ride. Matt, Matt likes coffee. Like, and it was funny. It was, it was funny. We, we, um, we found, uh, maybe that's why we were good roommates, but like, we uh we were always down to go find some some cool place to get coffee and uh, and Messenger was one of those and Intelligentsia in Chicago was one that was close to the theater as well that was really good um there's been a number of them that that we've seen but yeah I totally hear you on coffee that's you know one of if, my favorite things to do I was uh when I started I I I was an avid coffee drinker um my whole life I started drinking coffee in the third grade uh and I was literally <laughs> yeah, I think I was too <laughs> yeah I was just all about it always and I. It. And it's funny because in the third grade for most of my life, I didn't realize that I, I had anxiety. Um, and so, you know, I was just like between that and the coffee, I was just like operating at just like a crazy pace, like my entire life. Like, and then, you know, in college, I, um, I started drinking nine shots of espresso a day. Like I just like had my order at this place and I was just like, I want X amount of shots. You know it, let's do it. And like, and then I was like, you know, hyped out of my mind every day of my life. and. And then we joined Dear Evan Hansen, and actually this is this is just funny. I didn't, you know, before Dear Evan Hansen happened, I did not know how to uh, cry on cue in the sense of that was, you know, I, it wasn't expected that you, you know, I know people are say like you, you can still get through all these scenes and not cry, but like you know, Dear Evan Hansen's a very uh, teary show, and so like you want to access those vulnerable parts of you, and so I wasn't finding those vulnerable uh, parts of me, rather I should say, than like just crying on cue, uh, but um. But uh, yeah, I wasn't finding that. And I was like, you know, it's funny. I feel like I'm not finding it because my head is just moving so fast all the time. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm going to try to cut out coffee and see what that does for me. So when we were in rehearsals, I cut out all coffee. And like, lo and behold, like my emotions returned. <laughs> my emotions returned to my body. And, um, and it was this great thing. But then it was funny because in the second year, uh, I mean, not so much in the first year, I did enjoy everything. But in the second year, especially, um, you know, because coffee is interesting on the voice as well. I um, I only ever drank uh, coffee on, on Mondays. So I always really looked forward to, to, to Mondays because I was able to go to a coffee shop somewhere and be like, I'm going to pig out today on all the best stuff because I don't have to go on stage. Yeah. And something to look forward to, like something to... Uh... Yeah, it's always good to have that thing that like keeps you going. Like, all right, Monday I got my coffee. I got my coffee on Monday, which is a funny thing to like be like, oh, so di- coffee on Monday. Like, that's oh, you maverick. Because like, I just started this new job. I got this middle school, and I realized how how op- how opposite it is from like this touring schedule. Because like now I hate Mondays, <laughs> Fridays. And like Fridays, it's on tour. We don't necessarily love because like the weekends are so crazy. Yeah, yeah, you're gearing up for the double shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those five show weekends are tough, and I mean it's still great. But like, I was just thinking about this yesterday. I'm like, I don't remember the last time I was excited about Friday. No, that's it is very it is very weird to have that kind of inverse schedule, especially like, you know, you go to your school your whole life and, and, and you're ingrained with these with these feelings about the weekend. And then you're like, oh, if you're a performer or a musician in a in a, in a show, uh, the, the weekend may not be your friend. Exactly. But uh, yeah. and also just like day versus night, like you, we work at night. 
yeah during the day we were just kind of like whatever we go to our coffee shop but... right now you've been deprived but just know that not everything's yours to obtain gotta work against the instinct see a pair of shoes and step inside do you think you're better than me comes with the territory maybe it's implied it's what you do with the newfound awareness of this for yourself to ignore things is bliss but i found that it feels awfully good to resist make some change with them so I, I have a question that's just sort of popped into my mind that i, I wanted to ask garrett a while ago and i, I want to ask Noah too do you guys get anxiety traveling particularly flying since we fly so much garrett, you um, should... <laughs> because i i i'll just start and say that i i actually love flying um, even though I'm becoming more and more and more aware of my mortality, you know, like, um, and you know, the whole thing with like the, the Boeing 737 max where Matt and I used to make jokes all the time, mostly because we were, I think probably starting to get nervous about things, but there was a point in time actually where Garrett, Matt and I, did you come to the Boeing factory with us, Garrett and, and Everett in Washington? Uh, you came with us, right? Washington. Well, Seattle, sorry. Um, we were in Seattle, and so it must have been me, Matt San Giovanni, and Matt Brown. Uh-huh. But we went to tour the Boeing factory. This is actually, I promise, this is going somewhere. Um, and it was before the 737 Max crashes. Oh no! And we had our tour guide who was like, you know, very big. He, it was a cool tour. I mean, like we got to see where they were building the mall. But of course, this is the precursor before, like Boeing just completely shit the bed with you know all the scandals and things that were happening and this guy was so proud of boeing and he's like if it's not boeing i'm not going and you know he's just like very you know um you know boeing pride we make him here and like and then uh it was, it was I, don't get me wrong it was a really cool tour i i i had you know i was big in aviation so it was like fun to go and, and watch them and they actually think they test flew like one of the planes out of the um the airport that day oh, wow. cool thing but like it reminded me like not too long after that was this whole um thing with the 737 max and they had to ground them and it was in the midst of while we were all continuing the tour you know so and we flew a lot you know um so i was just wondering do you guys um i, I know noah you said you, you you do struggle with anxiety I, I struggle with anxiety too and i know garrett does as well but um when it comes to traveling um yeah look at us <laughs> um <laughs> ragtag dysfunctional group <laughs> um but yeah so do you, how do you if if you do struggle with um anxiety when it comes to traveling uh particularly flying um how do you handle that because that's obviously something you got to do yeah ryan i feel like you knew, you know the answer to this for me you just wanted to ask i do <laughs> I, I, well yeah but i mean i'm not inside your head either so it, it i you know i don't know what's going inside i mean we play monopoly on the plane um which helps uh, yeah those are actually those are actually very helpful for me um to answer your question like massive anxiety like absurd so why why the hell am i touring um (laughs) but yeah i i'm very afraid of airplanes and i will say that when i when i 
when we got to like when I got to like my second year of like touring and like constantly being on planes, like it started to get better, like a little bit. Like I'm still afraid. I'm still afraid of turbulence. And it's it's strange because like I know I know like that flying is the safest way to travel. And turbulence is like just kind of like being in a car and having bumps. I mean, it's I know how safe it is, but I can't get over it. Um, so I think like the the funniest thing, I don't know if this was Dear Evan Hansen or if this was Kinky Boots, but there came a point where I was getting so uh, uptight and so anxious on the airplanes that I, I called and told them it was oh. like that. It was like that John Mulaney bit. Like it was exactly as I was like, I get nervous on airplanes and they're like, I am writing you a prescription for lorazepam. <laughs> Where are you? Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> and I was in Colorado. I'll never forget. I was in, um, uh, I just said I'll never forget. I was, <laughs> I'll never forget. I was in. I'll never forget. <laughs> I was in somewhere in Colorado. Sorry, and um, and I gave him the address to like the nearest Walgreens and like went up to pick up my lorazepam. Oh wow! Um, and there was one day where, like, kind of before the flight, we knew that uh, uh, that it was going to be a bumpy ride, and so I like cut these little tiny pills in half um and took one and just to try it out like right before the flight and like i just was so happy the whole time <laughs> and i don't know this isn't like an advertisement for like taking drugs like this don't but like i know like we were landing and i was just kind of like oh this is great and um when we landed everyone in the company turned to me and they were like, are you okay? Because everyone knew that like I was afraid of flying. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that was great. What's going on? What's wrong? And everyone was like, that was the worst landing we've ever had. Oh like, and I, like across the board. And I was like, that? wow, this stuff really works. <laughs> <laughs> works, baby. <laughs> so yeah, I struggle with that. And um, Ryan, to answer your question, to deal with it, um, I try not to take the lorazepam. Like I always have it in my backpack, but I really, really try not to. Um, and to cope, I, um, you know, Ryan, we play Monopoly whenever I'm sitting next to you. And like, honestly, I forget. I, I just kind of forget that I'm afraid of it. Um, John Hemphill, like once in, like uh, oftentimes I'll sit next to John because our last names are um, so close. And he he has he suggested to me once he was like, hey, look, I know you're afraid. Um, here's a tip. When it starts getting bumpy, when it starts, you know, when there's turbulence, st- uh, steer the plane. Uh-huh. Just steer it. Like, so you're in control. Pretend you're in control. And wow. I did that. It helped. Um, but that's, other than that. That's a really cool just, idea, actually. I never, I never heard of that. Fly the plane. Um, so, yeah, that's. But other than that, like. I, I I think somewhere in my in the back of my mind I know that it's safe, but in in the moment I'm scared. Uh, I just I just deal with it. You know, I've had enough panic attacks to know like that it'll pass. Um, and like when you're up there, like you're you're not you're not in control. There's nothing you can do about anything. And like, um, I know that sounds bleak, but in a way that's reassuring to me to be like, well, whatever happens, happens. You know, so that's yeah. I, I mean, 
happens. <laughs> and nothing's going to happen. It's always death. It's whatever happens, happens. There's nothing I can do to prevent myself from dying. If, <laughs> if I, I often, someone gave me a really good piece of advice on how to handle it. They said, if you ever feel like you're going to crash, just pull the bandit off and r- rush the cockpit. They said, just get it on, get it on, make sure it crashes as quick as possible. <laughs> I think I, I almost, I almost feel like seriously, I would want to do that. I'd be like, I mean, like we're all going to die. Can I have a crack at it? Like, can I, can I just let me, yeah, let me get a spin. Let me get it. You have to be absolutely certain you're going to crash. Right. Yeah, right. It's like go knock on the door. It's like, hey, I noticed things are, things are going so hot back here. Um, can I can I help? Is there anything I can do? Can I get you anything? Or, or like, <laughs> if you're like brace for imp- impact. Like you know, like sometimes like brace for impact. Right. Like, nope, you take your seatbelt off. It's like no way. No way. <laughs> I feel like I would want to try and, and and jump. Like I would want to like open the door and be like, you know, just try and time it. Like you Fly. know. Heller, that's the scary thing. That's the that's the that's the thing I think is to be feared even more is to just like to jump out the the door and fly and like have your body. Sorry, this is like really really gruesome. For the <laughs> we'll we'll put the little exploit, you know. Yeah, yeah, the little e, <laughs> the little hey, e there. crash stuff going on in this one. That's what he means, right? <laughs> right. Well, we do talk about dismemberment in this episode, so. Like... I, I I feel really bad. I hope I I already feel like I probably said something that was incriminating. <laughs> Not at all. Airbnb story or this plane crash material. It's like you're there's a knock at your door. You're being served by Airbnb. Uh, <laughs> plane crash Association of America. We would like to say, <laughs> to say that your behavior. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to get a very strongly worded letter from Boeing. I'm sure. PCAA. PCAA. <laughs> you know. I, um, I, it's funny that you should mention that. I, I with with the um progression of how you felt about planes because i feel like the when i i never really had a problem with planes because i didn't do it that much i mean i did it like a little bit but like i you know i didn't do it a ton and um and i had done it enough to be like okay this is normal but i um but when we got on the road um for a while it got very very easy because i was just like great like this is let's you know we hop on the plane we do it i can trust the fact that i've done it a million times and it's not going to be different but then as we got into year two once we reached probably like you know the 50s or 60s of flying places uh time wise i was like it feels like my probability is increasing because i was like if i keep getting on this like at least one in the chances are pretty high. I just keep getting higher that I'm going to one of these times. It's like when you're in the casino for too long. You know what I mean? Like it's like, right. should, not that I go to the casino. I really need to stop talking. I need to. Lorazepam, <laughs> <laughs> get a prescription. Gamble. If you gamble enough, you'll win. <laughs> it's like I when have... I bet on the ponies, you know, eventually one's going to lose. It's like. <laughs> I've only you know, one time in my life. It was in Vegas when we went on the tour. I really have never been anywhere before that. I'm not a I'm not a gambler, um, yeah. but uh, but no, yeah. That's... <laughs> and those rules they list on Airbnb more like guidelines. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking new ground, it's just like our manifesto of like all of the things we've done on the road that we shouldn't have done. I feel like this is a good time to uh, you know plug Kucha House of Tea. <laughs> <You> know, like... <laughs> this one. Thing you take away from the episode. <laughs> if you're in the Boulder, Colorado area, go check out Kucha House of Tea. 
I, I think about nose point all the time because I, 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 that does cross my mind. I'm like, you're flying a lot, dude. Yeah. Like, that's like, you're up, you're up here a lot. I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm talking yeah, to myself. Yeah. And then, like, you know, like the, you know, eventually you're, you're like flirting with danger here, aren't you? Like, you know, it's like people aren't supposed to be this high, you know, and you keep doing it. Doing it. You like, are, you are defying yeah. God and nature and, this is against all of it. Just remember, you're a statistic. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I feel like, do you guys ever, sorry, I know we're really diving into this plane crash segment here. I'm I'm sorry. Sorry. This is my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> I really think, why not? You know, like, we're, we're talking about it. I, do you guys ever, like, get worried that, like, I'm, I'm really conscious when there's, like, movies and stuff like that on the plane. I'm like, oh, I guess this is the movie that I'm going to die to in the sense <laughs> I guess I guess when I hit the ground, I'll be watching Pikachu Detective. Like you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> guess that's my final memory. <laughs> I think I watched Sully on a plane. Honestly, Sully? I think I watched Sully. I was so, like, yeah. In, w- w- Sully is in um, the miracle, the, the miracle on the Hudson one, the one with Tom Hanks. The yeah. is that the yeah that, yeah I, yeah I when, like when he when he takes off and like the bird like the a bunch of birds hit the plane and he has to like do an emergency landing in the hudson oh no i've never seen this movie it's it's funny we we um we did uh matt and i when we were in charlotte they took that plane out of the hudson and it's now on display in a museum in charlotte wow um i think it's in charlotte um Hmm. and matt and i went there and we got to see it like it's just in this giant exhibit hall and it's still intact. I mean, it's like, it's like, I mean, it's beat up. I mean, you, I wouldn't get in and try and go for, you know, for a joyride, but like, it's there. It's like the whole thing. And it's just like, I'm thinking, man, that thing literally landed. It didn't crash. Like it landed in the Hudson. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, holy cow. Like that was insane. Cause they, they like show you the engines and like every oh. part of the plane and like, all everyone survived like i'm like holy cow like that's that really is crazy so like seeing it in person i was like because it's huge it's like it's just a huge plane you're just like there's just no way it's like you're you know you just remind no me way. and i'm gonna see if i can i think i can find it really quickly i i it um i would i i i know nobody can see this because this is just like a podcast obviously <laughs> medium but um I I'll describe what it is because it's it, it I this happened on the road uh and it was this is truly the kind of strange things you experience on the road. Okay, well I can't seem to find it, but um I thought it was in Chicago. The point being is that it was my my dad was getting remarried and I had just booked a random airline and I got there and the plane was the size of like like a a, a tall lamp. Like it was so it was so small. It so tiny and i was the only passenger on this plane it was me and two people driving it and i was like there was no cockpit it was like it was basically a helicopter and like but it wasn't it was a plane and like i've never seen anything like this before and like and i I literally laughed in the face because like they they put the little ramp down for me to go down and like meet them and i was like that's weird usually it's just like a tunnel or something um you know and they were like yeah come on down like this is our plane and i was like what is this secondhand lions like I don't, this is- <laughs> <laughs> and, and then i um got on and they're like you know how like on like 
bigger planes, like any plane but this, you like, we say like, turn off your cell phone. They're like, actually turn off your cell phone in this one or we could crash and die. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> Sounds good. We mean it this time. Remember you telling me this story, actually. It was nuts. It was truly nuts. And I, like, I have... Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say like, it's the smaller planes that get me the most too. Yeah. Like whenever we have like a, a 20 minute flight and we're on this tiny plane, not, not that small, like that, I would not be able to even deal with. Yeah. Uh, but I do tend to get a little more like, cause the small planes, like, like the norm for a small plane is to just kind of like, to just waver. Very rocky. And like, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Even when there's no turbulence, it's like when you're just taking off, it's going to like, side to side side to side i'm like we're gonna die we're gonna die like um so yeah i just gotta like that is (laughs) so i mean i guess i've never been in a helicopter before i've only ever i've been in this very tiny airplane that was like i guess somewhat similar but like it was funny because like on a regular flight like i had brought my headphones i had brought stuff to do because i was like it's like a two-hour flight on this thing and I just wow. kind of spent like two hours in the backseat of a car talking to these guys who were flying a plane. And I was like, this is funny because it's like we're in a car, but you're in the we're in the air. We are very high in the air. And you're talking to me like I'm, you know, talking to my mom and we're on our way to play practice. <laughs> like you can, can you could you see out the front yeah. window? Oh, yeah. I was literally like, that's what I mean. It's like a car. It was basically like a car. I could see them. I could see the front window. It was beautiful to see out the front window. But um. You know. Actually, you know what? I think that would help me. Really? Because one yeah. of the things I can't stand is not seeing what's directly in front of me. So right. when there's a partition, like on like 99% of planes, like when there's a partition, you can't see the cockpit. Right. Like I'm just imagining like I'm just going to be sitting there and all of a sudden nothing. Like I know that's weak. It's I know it's dark. It's but dark. like I think it would help me to see like all right, we're still not heading toward anything. There's still nothing heading toward us. Great. I'm okay. See them stifle. That's the thing they want to keep from you on big planes is like, you don't you, like when, when they're like, oh, that's not looking good. Rain ahead. Like we don't see that. We just like are like in our seats. But like when you're in there with like, it's like a car, they're like, oh man, better turn this on or else this will happen. And I'm like, no, I don't want to know that. <laughs> like sure. It's like, oh, the wheels won't come down. That's going to be an issue. It's like, you don't hear those conversations. You know, it's like this, like, Huh, I wonder if they're going to notice, but Gary, it's funny. You were, uh, um, so there is, I don't know if I told you the story or not. I, I might've, but it might, I don't think it might not have been on the podcast. Um, I, when I was doing dirty dancing, we had a layoff for four weeks for Christmas and I got a call from our contractor at Royal Caribbean and he said, Hey, can you fly down to fill in this contract, um, for a ship down in, um, I think it was San Juan originally. And I'm like, yeah, I can do that. As long as it's like a week, I can like, I think it was like 10, 10 days or something like that. I could go down and do that. That's so so I was like, yeah, what's it? That's so fun. That's awesome. It was, it was cool. It was like, all right, I'm off from, I never thought I was going to go back to ships after I did touring, but I did. And it was, it was so last minute too. Like they couldn't get him down. There was like some type of problem with getting the drummer out of, I think it was Ukraine that they were sending him from. And there was some type of paperwork faux pas or something that they needed more time. So that he Facebook messaged me, I think at like four in the morning. And he said, Hey, can you get to Miami tonight? And I said, no, <laughs> I, I, I actually, I said nothing. I was like rolled over my bed. I was like, I'm not, 
no. <laughs> and then I thought, no, you're dirt poor. You need you need money. You're heavy in debt. So I rolled back over. I'm like, yes, I can do it. But I have to fly to Philadelphia and it has to be, you know, later on in the day. And he said, fine. So they arranged it. And I was supposed to fly from Philadelphia down to San Juan, but due to a series of, you know, weather problems and different things, I wound up having to fly up to New York and then down to Miami to stay there overnight to get to the ship the next day. And they were docking in St. Bart. Um, I don't know if you guys know where that area is. It's around the Caribbean area. Um, So anyway, I had to fly through Antigua and I took this giant, big American Airlines plane from, you know, Miami airport to Antigua. And off of that, I had to um, collect my bags from, uh, like basically I had to, to land in Antigua and then I had to go collect everything again and recheck in because the the entire itinerary went from American Airlines to this little tiny puddle jumper plane that was not affiliated with them. So um I get all my stuff through, I go through security. I'm like the only one there in security. That like the security guards are like laughing. They're just like, oh yeah, send it through. I don't care. I was, what is this? A knife? You know, it's like, you know, <laughs> like they don't care. Like so I get through I get through security and I'm waiting at the end of the terminal and this guy comes, he's like, uh St. Bart, St. Bart, St. Bart. I'm like, yep. So it's like five of us that are always waiting at this terminal and he takes us down this set of staircase out onto the tarmac and into a minivan and he, um we're driving along the airport and i'm watching the planes get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller i'm like surely that will be the one to take us to this next place and uh, it was like nope not that one we finally get to the very last spot and it is like a minivan with wings oh and um i'm like okay so they said, all right, um, you're going to need to take everything and we're going to throw it in the back of the plane. You can't have any bags with you because we have to have the weight distribution correct. Oh, and I'm you. like, okay, that's interesting. And then, uh, so they do that. They take my backpack and symbols and everything like that. And I get onto the plane and it's, it's one of those where it's like, you get the window seat and the middle seat and the aisle seat all in one. <laughs> it's like, there's only one seat per side. So I'm sitting there. There's a cooler in the back. The co-pilot comes on with the pilot who's like messing with the radios. And the co-pilot is the the, uh, the flight attendant and also, um, you know, the navigator. He's just like, he's everything. So he turns around and he starts hollering at us. Like, there's no PA. He's just like yelling at us over the prop. He's just like, everyone's got to have a seat belts <laughs> on and uh, and. Like so, I can I can hear every other word, and as I'm watching him, because I'm fascinated by this. Like, there's no, there is no partitions. I'm just looking at the cockpit that's literally like three feet in front of me, and I'm um, I'm like, oh, it's gonna be cool. I'm gonna see how he does this. Like, I get to hear him talk to the tower, and do this. this is gonna be so cool. I thought there was gonna be like this whole big long procedure where I could just like, you know, no. He like flips on the propellers, and I'm looking at this line of planes. Like this air traffic, these big jets coming towards us. I'm like, gosh, we're going to have to wait for all these planes. Nah. He (laughs) fires up the plane, rolls it, cuts all these big jets off, rolls on. And I didn't even hear a clear for takeoff. It was just like, he rolls on. He's just like, well, let's go. And he throws up the throttle and off we go. And like, as soon as we get into the sky, um, he, the co-pilot flight attendant turns around and hollers at us. There's a cooler. Help yourself. And the 
passengers behind me are digging through what looks like a picnic cooler full of like Coronas and like, you know, um, like twisted tea and stuff like that. And it's like, and they're like passing it around. They're just like, you don't want any of this shit. And I'm just like, no, I want to yeah. be present for yeah. this. This is fun. Like, <laughs> I want to know what's happening. So we come down through and it's just that, you know, if you've ever been in the St. Bart, it is an, it is a fascinating place to fly into. It's actually, um, well, I'll get to that later, but we're flying in and it's this island and I can see the cruise ship that I'm going to be boarding. And it's out docked um, away from the pier because there's no there's no dock for the ship that big to get in. So you have to do something called tendering, which is, you know, using the lifeboats to get from the dock to the boat. So I'm like, okay, that'll be fun. Um, not. <laughs> like, But we, um, I'm looking around this island. I'm like, I can't see an airport. I'm like, where are we? Do we have like, skis are we gonna land on the water that'll be fun um i i look at the um pilot he turns around he's he says something about landing and don't worry and i'm like what does that mean and he's grinning as he's yelling over the top like i'm hearing like every other word um and then he turns around and i'm watching us approach this island and i'm squinting i it's like i don't see a runway at all i just see a mountain i'm like is it like a grass strip so we're flying lower and lower and lower and lower. And I found out the reason he said, don't worry, is because after you clear a mountain where you're literally like a couple feet over these trees, the plane dives toward the ground because the runway is right there in this valley. Oh my God. And I was not prepared for that. I don't, think, I don't think anyone was prepared for that. I... I watched him dive and I could see the runway out the window. And the, the, the thing I remember thinking was like, we are going to die. There is no way that we are going to stop that fast on that tiny little runway. Like this is it, but at least it's exciting. It's been a fun ride. <laughs> like, God. and he, he dives, pulls up just in time. We, I mean, he nailed it. Like we like just a light tap on the ground and we stopped like on a dime. Like, like I've never seen a plane stop that fast in my life. And he was just like, ho-hum. There are no taxiways on this airport, by the way. It's like a runway and a shack. And he turns around on the runway, comes back up the runway and then off to the side. And he was like, welcome to St. Bart. And I was like, holy shit. This whole contract was worth it just for taking that flight. Like, it was, it was amazing it, feel, it was i'll never forget that i feel like as afraid of as afraid as i am of flying i would probably want that experience i don't Take know i like the same part i promise you won't regret it <laughs> like i don't know and well, there's about oh no are you gonna say something i don't know i was just saying it's important to have those experiences too with fly i think it's like you know that's real flying you know what i mean like that's like when you fly <laughs> yeah not this like, huge plane crap <laughs> down with the huge plane no that nope but um what i was gonna say it's like it must have been helpful to see like that that pilot like he's like having a good time you know because i heard like when when there's like bad turbulence or you know what we see as bad turbulence is still technically mild turbulence you know but um like if we're flying through a storm and like it's really bumpy to us like the pilots are like, oh, awesome. We can take it on autopilot and like do our job. You know, we can actually like, this is good. We like these days, right? And we're sitting in the back just like, oh, we're going to die. No. 
I think it was definitely a testament that he he was turning around and grinning and said, don't worry, because apparently he's seen people freak out about this like many times. And oh, yeah. this is it's funny. It's it's apparently it's a famous enough airport that they actually put it in the new flight simulator as a landing challenge. Like Microsoft came out with a flight simulator recently, and I'm I'm a huge geek with that stuff. So I found it. I'm like, this looks familiar. Oh my god, really? this is this really? is this is my my cruise story. Like this is like in the game. So apparently, wow. it's it's famous enough for it to be immortalized and in, in that. But um, yeah, it was that was an adventure, and honestly, I I, I don't regret it. As scary as it was, <laughs> I have to check that one out. So, um, so no, like one thing I, I try and, and make sure we, we do before we close it. Is there anything, um, any projects you're working on, anything that you want to share with anyone in terms of, uh, uh, like things you're working on? It can be just, uh, it can be simple. Like, 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 Oh, I've been reading this book or I've had like this hobby that I've taken up or, or it can be like, uh, I've been working on this, anything, you know, is there anything you want to share with anyone? Well, I'm uh, in terms of, uh, what I'm working on. I'm addicted to Fortnite. Uh, that is all I like <laughs> uh, a lot of time. Not really, but that's what I, I really have gotten very into it. And me and my girlfriend, Maggie, um, who's a dear Vincent person as well. We, we play nearly every night just to like, you know, stay um, just to like, so I, I've never been a gamer, but the gaming community really does actually, it, it's interesting to like have a headset and like be able to talk to your friends and like do a group mm-hmm. play, like, escape room or something, you know, it's kind of the same thing, but um. Yeah, so I've gotten into that in quarantine. But in terms of uh, work, work, I am um, I'm doing an adaptation of the Pied Piper. That is my next big sort of like larger project, um, which is but sort of the shows turns things on its head a little bit, and so that is my that I'll probably work on that for the next couple of months, and hopefully um, do something with that. Also, probably because um, you know Shell is a project that I love very very dearly. Um, but uh you know it's obviously a a, a, a it's a property owned by an, a specific estate and i i don't know you know where that will lead i certainly hope to be able to to you know have it performed in public one day and have it you know be shared yeah. with the world but um i've actually decided definitively um to at least for now uh start exploring you know public domain folk tales because it's um you know i think there's a lot of things in there that have been done, but a lot of things in there that haven't been done. And I, you know, that was the one that, uh, for some, for whatever reason, you don't know why, uh, I, it, it struck me as not having an adaptation that was significant and I felt like I knew how to do it. So, uh, I I'm doing it. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah. And I heard most of one of the songs oh, like yeah. days ago and it's awesome. It's, it's beautiful. It's super fun. Thank you. Yeah, looking forward to it. But yeah. thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. It's really so thank, thank you so much for coming on. No, this has been so much fun. Yeah, I had a blast. I I yeah. I mean, I don't think Lin Manuel Miranda would have like stayed on with us for like two and a half hours. So I mean, he's a busy guy. So I I don't know. I can't. I I don't. I don't know if he would have. But also, like once you got that, once you slipped in those plain topics, I think he probably would have. You know, really, really gone. I think we uh, we hooked a pretty large audience with that. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so i know do you have a, a website uh we know you're on instagram um yeah yeah i'm, I'm sort of in and off of social media these days but yes please do right. follow uh instagram I'm at nb kaiserman and um my website is i think it's just noakaiserman.com um that's my my website and um that's i think that's the only link in bio for our 12 listeners who want to check noah out. <laughs> 
definitely no but please do um check out noah um online i mean he's got a lot of stuff going on and you know we love him and you know we love what you know all the stuff he's working on and, and what he's creating and um musician like, well you guys are well okay i mean i'm sure you guys already do follow these two wonderful gentlemen if you're watching this now or listening to this now but if you don't if you just happen to stumble upon us on spotify <laughs> looked up like your friend garrett or your friend ryan you're like what's this follow these guys <laughs> also guys are- one, uh, one other podcast i we have not plugged yet uh sierra's podcast yes uh queen made of light um i i i was just thinking about that when you when we had mentioned uh when you'd mentioned uh sierra i was like oh we have not plugged sierra's podcast yet please go listen to sierra's podcast as well check out sierra as well hopefully we can have her if she's uh if she's still if anyone's willing to talk to us after hearing us ramble on about planes ever seen jimmy timmy power hour like like i don't know if you remember that but that was when jimmy neutron and and, uh timmy turner from uh they came into the same worlds or switched places that's what I'm talking about. I think you guys need to have a special with Sierra where it's like, whoa, Queen Made of Light slash wait, what is the title of your podcast? Oh <laughs> we don't mention it a lot. Our, our the podcast is called Stop Following Me. Stop following me. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm obnoxious. We did not even know the name of it. It's okay. I think this is the first time we've mentioned it, actually. Uh we that's that's the I think that that is a name we've settled on for our podcast, Stop Following Me. Um the special will be called Stop Following Me, Queen Made of Light. <laughs> <laughs> or or please please keep following me. Please keep um, following. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was funny. I, I think the the concept just real quick as to why I uh I liked the name so much uh was because uh Garrett and I have a very similar um uh line in terms of how we went through getting into um touring and 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 working on ships and that kind of stuff and um it, it was almost like we we have done so many things that would be parallel you know around the time i was getting into carnival was around the time garrett was getting into carnival but we never found each other i auditioned for the tour that of kinky boots that garrett was on and we just missed each other you know um that's and, uh, and we finally found ourselves on with uh dear van hansen so that, that's sort of where i came if anyone's wondering where that name what that means it's not a that that's where it's coming from <laughs> follow us though please 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 follow noah please follow sierra um uh and if and if you can stomach us please please follow us too we love we love chatting with our friends and uh, if you made it this far if you made it this far you might be able to make it the rest of the way right Maybe we should pay for your first therapy session or something. <laughs> we partner with BetterHelp. We partner with... Thanks to our partners and sponsors. Thank you. Yeah. Especially Kucha House of Tea uh, in the uh, in the uh, Boulder, Colorado area. If you're looking for, for fine artisan tea, please check out Kucha House of Tea. So. <laughs> All right, this has been super fun. Thank you uh, so much. Anyway, thank, thank you so, so much again for coming on and chatting with us. Of course, thank you both. I had a great time. All right, we will see you guys next time. Stop following me.